When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so like that, man. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday, a Sons of Saturday live show. This show is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. They're our new sponsor for the season. Thank you to McCoy's for being our sponsor. I'm your host, Pete B., and I come to you every week to discuss what's going on in college football and give you a heavy dose of what the Hokies are up to. And today, I got an awesome show for you. We got two guests, and let me just get them right in here. You know this guy. We got Robbie on the show, my normal co-host. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. We also have Colby Nant from the College Experience on the show. Colby, uh, you're also known as Pick Dundee. How you doing, bro? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing, man? Appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Dude, it's always... We haven't had you on in... In a long time, I think we had you on 2D maybe like 2016 or something like that. How you been? No, oh, I've been good, man. Life's life's good, man. Uh, you know, uh, best time of year. You got multiple sports going on, and uh, you know, and, <laughs> and 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 wife's pregnant. So I mean, you got <laughs> well, yeah, what, so what a world. I just had my nieces and nephews at the house all weekend. Three of them, two, four, and six. And uh, that's some good birth control. Let me tell you what. <laughs> uh, I don't make sure you're not missing their pill on the uh, on the. On the that'll, that'll get you up daily. And make sure you got that in your system. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe kids someday soon, but not right now. Uh, yeah. So we got Colby on the show. Colby does an awesome job with college football coverage. So much college football coverage. In fact, you do FCS. How many shows a week are you doing on the college football experience? Uh. uh Probably, probably around like 10 or 11, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's absolutely incredible. insane. Coming from two guys that did one show a week for a very long time. Now I'm just experimenting with the two. I don't know how you do that. And I don't know how you watch FCS games. Do you do, you do condensed games or do you do like, like, are you watch? Do you have like 10 screens? Like, how do you do it? Yeah. I got to show you guys my setup, man. I, it, you, it, you can't go back though. So it's, it's. Once you like, if you guys were to come out here to LA and, and hang out in the studio, uh, we have, I think it's an 11 T uh, TV screen setup, but you can go, you can go, uh, you can slice it in, 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 you know, the quads, the quad box essentially <laughs> on certain screens. So you can really get a, a big number of games in, but do uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough where. You know, I've uh, we've turned this into a nine to five, so it's not like you know when I talk to my brother and he's got kids going around and he's working his own nine to five, so he gets he gets some action on the games. But you know, for for us, even during the week, we're able to you know on a Monday, even though we're in and out of the studio, you know, on screens are are other games from the weekend, whether it's NFL, whether it's college. Yeah, that's. That's the thing about Colby. They, they've really upgraded over the years. He's with the sports 
the Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, tons of NFL coverage as well as college coverage, and, and Colby's the lead on that. But I find myself, I listen to your show just about every week. I find myself walking around the house doing the Patty C and the place to be, hey like to myself, because I just, <laughs> there's so many, you guys like do the old school radio like shtick with like there's sound effects, there, <laughs> there's the call signs and everything and the Pick Dundee nickname, like, uh, that's not a pick. This is a pick. Uh, it's it's quite a it's quite a thing you guys got going on out there. I love it. I love it, and it's it works for you. And I absolutely love listening to you guys. And you're amazing at handicapping games. So later on in the show, we're going to talk to Colby about the plays for Week Seven. But first, we got to talk about Week Six. If you're in with us live, make sure you're subscribing. Liking the video, liking really helps us out. And if you're watching on Twitter, please come over to YouTube and give us give us some YouTube love because we appreciate that. We got to start with Red River because that game was absolutely wild. 34-30, Oklahoma beats Texas at the last second, even though they were in control most of the game. Dylan Gabriel was awesome. And the calls for the backup quarterback in Oklahoma, there was there were some here and there. But I was listening to the Cover 3 pod and they were saying, Without Dylan Gabriel's experience and expertise in general, do you think Oklahoma could have pulled off this game? Because it really looked like a veteran QB doing his thing in this one. And and Colby, I'll go to you first. Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I mean, as much as I think Jackson Arnold's a stud, I I, I think the world's going to find out about about him re- really quickly. Um, no, I thought that was the difference in the game. You look at Quinn Ewers on the other side of things, and and even though those two interceptions probably weren't all his fault, you know, um, he also had a critical fumble that that was his fault. But um, yeah, you look at what Dylan Gabriel did, and he looked like a veteran quarterback. Didn't panic on that final drive, and uh, I'd say certainly, you know, his dual threat capabilities were the were the real reason. He had over a hundred yard rushing, so. Yeah. Um, I would say that he was certainly the X factor into Oklahoma winning besides, besides, you know, their defense, I would say also played really well. Um, but yeah, I, I think they needed him hundred percent this game. And if it was Jackson Arnold, who, who I think will probably end up an NFL quarterback, uh, he's still young and there's no, there's no experience. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no metrics for experience. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I yeah, I, I, I think they, they absolutely had to have him. And they didn't have him last year. They lost forty nine nothing. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah. Rob, going into this game, were you expecting the typical Oklahoma back and forth? Because we did just see a big win last year, and that's unusual for Red River. So, were you expecting this to be like this? Because I thought Texas would win in cover. That's what my pick was before the game. I thought they would win in cover. I I, I did not give the recognition to Gabriel that he deserves. And I didn't take into into account that he missed the game last year. So he had all in the commentary, they talked a little bit about that and he came out fired up. And I think the most interesting part of that is each quarterback and they're both very, very good quarterbacks. They both had a drive to seal it. And one of them came away with a field goal and the other one drove the whole way and came up with a touchdown and made it look easy. It did not look difficult at all for Dylan Gabriel and what he did on that last drive. It didn't even look like he was sweating. It was just, this is the offense we run. We run high tempo. He went out there. He talked about it after the game. They practice it every week on, on running that offense. And then it, it, it caught me by surprise. And I knew Oklahoma is good, but now I know that they're legit having seen, you know, what they, what they did in this game. 
And what you just said there about him staying cool, that last touchdown pass with, what was it, 16 seconds left or something, or uh, 15 seconds left, he was under immense pressure and basically was about to get clocked and completed it to Nick Anderson, which made his only catch of the game, but it was extremely important. And they went 75 yards in a minute, and they didn't settle for the field goal, and that was was so clutch. The problem for Texas in this game was three trips to the red zone, just three points. And three turnovers. So three is a magic number in this one for Texas in a bad way. It's it's sad for Brooks because Brooks is such a good running back, and he had an amazing game. Colby, do you think he, he has a chance at the Heisman? I mean, I guess they would have to go with the one loss, but is he a Heisman candidate in your eyes? You know, I – I'm like, uh, they, they don't give it to running backs really anymore. You know what I mean? Like as much as uh, like, I mean, I would love to see it because I think it's ridiculous that we just fo- focus in on like the, the court. Now you can't now, nowadays you, you can't even like, you have to be on like a, a championship caliber team. I yeah. remember like, you know, growing up, you would, it's, uh, oh, there's a quarterback out there in Hawaii throwing, uh, you know, 8 million touchdowns. He's, he's a, a, you know, a finalist. Now it's just like, no, you got to be like in the top 20 or something. So, I mean, Texas will be in the top 20, but I, 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 I don't expect uh, them to, to, to give the running back, you know, you're seeing it in the NFL, right? I mean, yeah. no yeah. one's getting paid. The, the, the disrespect for the running backs real. So uh, I just saw a great yeah. quote about the Jonathan Taylor contract that just got done. It was like, he held out all that time. He's one of the best players, in his position. And he just got George Niang money. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like if you don't know who George Niang is, he's a fringe player on the Sixers. Like that's how it goes for, for those running backs, man. Uh, bigger picture on Texas. They shot themselves in the foot in this game. And this is what I was expecting in the Alabama game is I don't trust Sark. I haven't really been a a Sark believer. And this is why they showed me why, because there were several times in this game where uh, they didn't come away with points or they did, they turned it over, which, you know, it can be on the players as well, but this is what I was expecting versus Bama. And we got it in OU. And I feel foolish because I had put Texas as my number one team. I put them in my playoff four after a couple weeks here. And now like, I got to take them out. Like, and I'll, I'll give you guys my playoff four later in the show, but like, is, is, do, were you a believer in Texas, Colby? Like, after that Alabama game, were you a believer that they could go to the national championship or to the playoff? Uh, you know, well, I, I do a thing called the database top 25 where I had them number one based off of resume, but I personally know, um, mainly just because I'm, I'm a lot like you, where I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian, whether it was Washington, whether it was USC, uh, or his, early, I mean, he's in year three now at Texas. Um, he hasn't really won the big games. And to me, uh, you know, a lot of it, I thought he got completely out coached in this game and, um, that, that factors in also Quinn Ewers still has to prove it to me. I know everybody loves Quinn Ewers, but like, yes, he he's improved from a year ago, but, uh, I thought this game was a perfect example. He got a little bit of pressure and he looks very different under pressure. And, 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 and in my opinion, with the exception of that Alabama game, he's been pretty bad on the road. And another thing is they played three straight backup quarterbacks. I fully expect that, uh, you know, had yeah. Jalen Daniels been healthy for Kansas, uh, that would have been a lot closer. I mean, it was a closer game than the final score indicates, despite Texas having like 600 yards of offense or something. Uh, you know, that was like a 13, seven game pretty late, like mid third quarter, I think before Texas really opened it up with, you know, without a, a Heisman contending quarterback. So that 
that all factored into me, but yeah, I mean, I, I still took Texas to beat Oklahoma just cause the, I thought the lines, the line of scrimmage, Texas was so good on the offensive line and defensive line, especially go back to that Alabama game. So I thought they're definitely going to be able to handle Oklahoma's offensive line and defensive line. So that was one of the bigger surprises. We're going to move on to Alabama in one second, but Rob, does this change your perception of Venables the way he had that team playing? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it has to go back to last year, you know, 12 months ago, people were talking about Venables and, you know, is this going to work? Is he just a defensive minded coach is, you know, what was Clemson um, and what was different at Clemson than maybe at uh, Oklahoma, all of the players they lost to USC. Can he mm-hmm. recruit? I, I, how many, there were tons of questions about him. And I think this answers uh, a lot of them. Uh, quite frankly, and they um, that also has to do with the coordinators um, that he brought in. So uh, that's that's important, and the players that you know ultimately he's brought in. But that was a cool-minded, legit win. Um, you know, when you could go back to Clemson when they were at their at their peak, uh, the way that they were operating, and a lot of that had to do with the quarterback and a lot of this had to do with the quarterback and it's, it's reminiscent in a lot of ways. Um, the offensive, you know, I think the lines held up pretty well. And part of that is probably because Dylan Gabriel does have that run threat, uh, that yeah. does keep people on their heels a little bit and, and makes him. but I think it, it has to change the perception of him and is a, is a huge win for the program and, and his resume. I think you're also seeing some of his fingerprints on the defense. There was, there was a young linebacker out there making a ton of plays and, and they're starting to transform a bit. OU has at Kansas, that'll be a tough game at Oklahoma state and at BYU. That could be, that could be a dangerous one late in the year, but at home they get UCF WVU who has been good so far and TCU who looks like a mess. They can run this table. The problem is they're going to face Texas again in the, in the championship game and, and these are very even teams, as we saw. So it do, I don't doubt that Texas can can win it uh, the next time around. But right now, OU has has the edge. They have the edge in the in the win column in the conference, and uh, and that was a really good game by them. Alabama beats A and M in College Station. Milrow was pretty damn good again. What are your thoughts on Milrow and Alabama's chances going forward, Colby? As you see them with another elite defense, but are the questions at QB starting to get answered for you? No, um, not at all. Um, and I like Jalen Milrow. I don't think they use him. I mean, they're getting more hip to using him the way they, that I would use him. But, um, uh, I thought that storyline was a little more of Texas A&M botching it than it was Alabama winning it. And then if you, if you listen to Saban's comments after the game, I think he kind of implies that, um, you know, what kind of clock management? I mean, the only thing that saved Jimbo Fisher was the fact that Lincoln Riley and, and, and Mario Cristobal did maybe an even worse job um, <laughs> be, because I was perplexed. I, I watching that game um, kind of, I, I don't understand how he makes that much money. I, I need to get in. I should have been a coach guys. <laughs> I should have been a coach because um, I, so many opportunities, obviously you have the fourth and one at like the, uh, what I don't know if it's like 45, 40, something like that. Uh, then you have the situation where you're down seven, you go for the field goal, but you have, you call a timeout to go for the field goal. And then, yeah. and then you kick the onside kick. So if you, it, it, I'm, I'm still confused by the logic. Cause if you kick it deep, you know, and make Milrow a very inexperienced quarterback, especially with road starts, I think this is 
I think it's only his third road start ever. Um, why would you not kick it deep then and, and, and force them to throw the ball? Because even with Alabama, even when they got the onside, the onside kick, they, they got very fortunate to get a first down because the runner's knee or the receiver's knee was down, but he bobbled it. And then right. he got up. I, I personally thought it was a lot more of a and M letting him off the hook, giving up the block kick, uh, the safety by, uh, you know, yeah, Alabama's that was, defense. Yeah, that was a huge yeah. play. It was. And, and Alabama had 14 penalties in this game. I mean, they, they really were trying to give it away. I still thought Milrow played well for the position he was put in. And the fact that he had to throw his way to this victory because they, neither team could rush the ball. There was 11 sacks in the game. So I, Max Johnson, we saw his first taste of him. And this is another example of someone getting a backup quarterback. However, I, I do think Max Johnson and Connor Wegman aren't like that, that much different potentially, but uh, the safety was a huge play, put Bama up 26, 17. And that extra, those extra two points really ended up mattering. Bama gets LSU at home later in the year. Are they your favorite in the West right now? Colby and Rob, just Rob, go first. Um. I think they have to. I, I, I don't know. I, I've got Alabama. I, I don't. LSU's getting better, but I still think that their defense has a long way to go. So I would, I would go with. I think Milrow is getting better by the week. Um, I think by. I agree with what Colby's saying, but um, I told you when we were talking about Alabama um, a couple of weeks ago. I thought he was a really good quarterback. I think he's young. I think he's got some maturing to do. Uh, and I think with some more time that is going to, it's going to pay dividends, uh, towards the, towards the end of the year for them. Colby. I mean, I'm going to sound ridiculous on the show for it, but, but like, I don't think Nick Saban utilizes his skill set the best, or I don't know if that's fully on Saban or, or their offense coordinator. I don't know if they battle. I don't know what, but I do think he's a very good quarterback, but I don't think they use him the way that he should be used. Did, should they uh, use him more like Chiron drones at Virginia tech? The way, we're, the way we're running our quarterback 20 times a game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I think, I, I think Jalen Milrow is, you know, we said he had a great passing game. It was kind of really on like one or two fly routes yeah, that they kept yeah. going and, and A&M secondary has been atrocious this year. So, uh, you know, I, I think other defenses will have a lot more success. Um, but yeah, I would get a lot more creative running option read stuff with him. Um, where, you know, I was calling out Saban over the past few weeks by saying like, this is the thing he he always has the best talent and obviously he's won a bunch of national championships, but, and this is a perfect instance instance where you could say, you know, is he making his player better? Cause that's what great coaches are supposed to do. Yeah. And, um, but uh, no, I, I actually favor LSU still, even though LSU's defense is terrible. LSU, uh, I favored to win against against Alabama. But now, do I think A&M could give LSU a game in the final game of the year? Sure. And yeah, maybe that could cost them the spot. Yeah. But J- Jaden Daniels is playing at uh, just a, an unbelievable level. And, and I think the reason why I would take LSU, A, they beat him last year, but also uh, this, the, I think an elite quarterback. Max Johnson is not an elite quarterback by any means. An elite quarterback can, can beat Alabama. Yeah. Alabama does not look like normal Alabama to me. So, um, but they have, but LSU has got to not trip on the way there because I think they could because of how bad their, their secondary is. 
yeah, they almost caught a a loss against Mizzou, and we'll just move to that game quickly. Like forty nine thirty nine, LSU covers. I think on most books because because of that pick six late, which just hurt so bad. I had Mizzou in that game over a thousand yards of offense, and Mizzou controlled a bunch of this games. But you like you alluded to, Jaden Daniels is ridiculous. Neighbors is ridiculous. Another 146 yards for him. Ho hum. 274 rushing yards from LSU in this game. They really turned it on after kind of a, a little bit of a a wonky start. They they turned it on and Mizzou is the Mizzou fans have to be like just beside themselves after that game. I'm beside myself, man. I, I had <laughs> I had Missouri money line and then I even got the points to back it up. Like I was like maybe they lose by a last second field goal. And I was like, "Oh, Illinois uh, I'm sorry. Uh, LSU uh, made enough plays to, to on the uh, you know, in the fourth quarter to get the lead, but I'm still thinking, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm safe with the cover." No. Pick 6 with like 20 seconds left. Um yeah, I mean, uh, it, Missouri fans, that must have been. I couldn't imagine because that that was your moment, by the way. Because yeah. like right now, I'll I'll say this for any of these other SEC teams: Bama, LSU, they're down. They're down right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they are vulnerable, and if you can't if you can't get the best of them, good luck in the future because this is your year to do it. This is your year. Like, yeah. that's why to me, another thing is we didn't even talk about the iron bowl. Like I think, you know, Alabama, Auburn in the final game of the year could be very tricky for Bama too. Um, Cause that's at, that's on the plains. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're a Mizzou fan, you gotta, oh, man. you gotta, yeah. <laughs> especially like the, we were talking to me and Rob, like this is those years that Mizzou pops up and and just takes one down because the east isn't particularly good and the west has weakness at the top and this was this was their spot but yeah going back to the sec west thing i just think that defense for bama is the best unit but the Jaden daniels thing poses an issue it really does pose an issue the fact that bama gets them at home i'm still going to give them the edge right now as far as prediction goes but can't wait to watch that one because it's it's going to be strength on strength i got to have one thing on here because we can't gloss over it Missouri, Missouri's quarterback, Brady Cook. I know the competition has not been great, but he is he's got a 71% completion percentage this year. He's got 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. So I know Jaden Daniels steals the show a bit, but that's a good point. He's having himself that's a he's having himself a year. Um, and that's part of what I, I know Missouri is doing well this year because everybody else is down and that's why the perception for them gets elevated a little bit, but they're, they're playing pretty good football. Um, and Absolutely. they control that game as well. So it's, it's brutal, tough loss. No, it, it, they're they're going to be a, a feisty team in that East going forward. LSU beats Notre or LSU Louisville beats Notre Dame 33 to 20. Louisville was ready for that game. And this is Colby's chance to take a victory lap because he was on the cards in the summer doing his, uh, his previews down in Puerto Rico or whatever the hell you were uh, <laughs> sip, sip, sipping a bourbon and talking about teams. It was one of the most hilarious sticks you were doing on your Twitter account this summer. But oh, thank you, man. Louisville six and O the only six and O team in the ACC uh, takes down this Notre Dame team, which had so much hype. And and the, I called Notre Dame a fraud a couple weeks back, thought they were going to lose two or three of this tough stretch. And now they, they, they've got two losses and they got the USC game up next. Do you think that was an example of Louisville winning that game rather than uh, Sam Hartman and Notre Dame kind of making too many mistakes, Colby? 
I think a little bit of both, but I, I, I was completely look, and I'm a guy that has a future on Louisville over seven and a half wins. I have Louisville playing in the ACC championship or, uh, you know, I ha- that was my preseason pred- uh, prediction. And I also have Louisville. Uh, I, I did sprinkle some on them winning the ACC championship. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I am relieved cause I had this penciled in as a for sure loss mainly because it's uh it's Brahm's first year. And I didn't know if he fully had the guys. I think the Brahm hire was a gigantic home run for the city of Louisville and, and, you know, Louisville fans in Kentucky, because I believe he's one of the best coaches in the sport. And I know, you know, his family name, his dad was a high school football coach in Louisville. Um, his brothers obviously had success, you know, playing at Louisville as well. So this I and and Louisville's NIL collective is is moving forward is is going to be I mean I think it's one of the better NIL collectives in the country, so I think Louisville's here to stay. Now I the thing I I thought though was I thought and I and look I took Notre Dame this game, for this game I thought oh Notre Dame's those got those those two tackles that are going to be first round draft picks, they're going to push them around. Audric Estime such a stud, um. And once again, Ron English, the defensive coordinator and Jeff Brom. That's the thing. They're very, they're very, they're a very well coached team and they control the line of scrimmage on offense and defense. Gerard Jordan was able to get loose a couple times. I think he's one of the more dynamic players in the, in the ACC and then the defensive line and, and maybe it was timely blitzes, but they had Notre Dame. I mean, estimate only ran for like 20 some yards. It was unbelievable. Yeah. If you would have told me that I would say you're like, no way. I would say that is not possible against Louisville, like against really any team in the nation. Maybe Bama would be the one that I would say No, maybe they could bottle them up for 20. So I was, I was shocked and uh, yeah, credit to Jeff Brown because you know, I, I thought Marcus Freeman got completely outcoached, like not like not even on the same planet in this scenario. And this goes back. I mean, Freeman hired that out. He wanted Andy Ludwig, the offense coordinator for Utah. And a, a, I don't know what it exactly went down. Like he was Andy Ludwig was in South Bend, uh, you know, in, in the in the spring, went to I think a Notre Dame hockey game with uh, Mark with Marcus Freeman, I think, and Jack Swarbeck or something like that. And uh, they didn't end up hiring him. And I heard that it's it's reported that they just went cheap. They they gave him an offer that he mm. thought he was going to make more, at, you know. So he went back to Utah as the OC. And then they just promoted the tight ends coach. Well, it showed on Saturday, in my opinion, and it showed in the Duke game too. So, um, yeah, I, I, what, what a, what a shocking outcome. Jeff Brown does it again. And I, if I, if you know, I know, I know you guys are in the ACC with Virginia tech. I think Louisville is here to stay, man. Yeah. And you know what? The ACC does need another quality team because we, we <laughs> haven't had a third team since basically Lamar Jackson left. I mean, teams pop up here and there, but with the lack of us being good, the lack of Miami being good consistently, it'd be nice if a third ACC team for the sake of our TV contract or whatever going forward, because the conference is a mess right now, it would be good for a team to be good in this game. Jack Plummer bounced back. Uh, he had not, a, not a good week last week, but he, he's played strong and Jawar Jordan for Louisville. I can't, I can't even, I don't want to think about what he's going to do to the Virginia tech rush defense. Cause our rush defense is so horrible. And this kid just, he was barely touched. I felt like every time he just made a cut and was in the open field running down uh, and, and they sealed this game late. Rob, how do you feel about Freeman? I mean, Colby talked about it a little bit. He got out coached yeah. and he brought in Sam Hartman to kind of like, I think 
paper over some of the issues they might have had at the offensive coordinator or or on offense in general because they don't have the skill players. How do you think he's fared through these first five weeks? Do you think uh, think some of the shines coming off of Freeman? Um, yeah, there. Some of the shine has come off, absolutely. But I think this game. Let's take the game right, and then we can go back to the the macro. I think um, we knew Jordan was going to be a good running back. Nobody thought he was going to be this good. So he's got he's averaging almost he's at seven and a half, almost like eight yards a carry. Um, he is a monster, and we we know Brahms' reputation in terms of offense and things like that. But I did not anticipate them having this good of a running back, and uh, obviously an offensive line that's opening up some holes for him and making him dangerous. So when I look at Notre Dame, they pay, they had a gap in quarterback. They have clear issues that showed in the Ohio State game. And I just, I, I thought that this was not, this was never the year for them. The schedule didn't line up for it. They had a, a tough stretch of games. And I, I just, I think it was, um, it was bound to fail at some point. Yeah. Um, and even in um, the close loss, um, was it a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, you could see things starting to break down for them because they did have to use the portal and get some people in. Um, and then they have the academic issues that they're dealing with that doesn't give them the same freedom that you get on bringing people in that you get at other schools. Yeah. And I, I kind of baited you there and you didn't yeah. take the bait. So I, <laughs> I, I like that because this was a tough stretch of games and they did just yeah. have back-to-back roadies, including a game day environment that they did pull off. And so they deserve credit for that. But the five turnovers by Sam Hartman was, was a bad look and they, they need more skill talent. I mean, if they had Ian books, skill talent, like Claypool and Boykin, this team would be freaking unstoppable, but they just don't have it right now. Uh, and, and I do appreciate Colby hitting that off the top that Louisville to you is a realistic candidate for the ACC title game. Like you, you think they can win it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Jeff Brom is the thing that stands out to me is I think I know Dabo Sweeney is a very good recruiter, but Brown from an X's and O's standpoint, I think might be the best coach in the conference. So when, when that, when, when I saw him come in, I thought, Oh, and then, you know, I, the schedule, they don't play Clemson. They don't play Florida state. They don't play North Carolina. So that was my real logic on year one, but for, for years to come, once he's able to get the recruits in that, I think he can get with, with their NIL collective and, and their success on the field. Uh, I think they're just a potential uh, juggernaut there. So, uh, yeah, and but I feel what, what, silly for back talking you because I, I was saying to you, I was like, is he really that good? Like we were having this discussion on Twitter, his record at Purdue is about 500. I know we just took them to the big 10 title game, but like, wasn't that competitive, whatever. But, and you but, were like, uh, no, he's a good coach. Well, I think part of the things that people don't realize we talked, we, we just, Robbie just talked about Notre Dame's uh, academic stuff. Purdue is, is actually, you know, m- maybe not as good as Notre Dame, but they're up there with that. And they, a perfect example was last year, the team that went to the, uh, the big 10 championship in, I think it was may or June, their best player, their best returning player on that whole team. They ruled academically ineligible, suspended him for the whole season. He's still never played there for uh, them ever again. And 
That doesn't happen no. at a lot of universities. That does yeah. not happen at. So I know he was working against. You know, if you're problem, you're just a football coach. You're saying, "Oh come on, man!" You know, like <laughs> uh, that's my guy. Like so, uh, you know, to still make the Big Ten championship game, and I think Purdue's one of the harder jobs in the country. I really do. I, I think it's it's what another thing is if you dive into their scheduling, they normally schedule so they have the nine game Power Five conference, or I mean the Big Ten is a it does the nine game conference schedule, yeah, and they normally schedule two Power Fives outside of it, just like this year Virginia Tech and Syracuse. I think next year it's Oregon State and somebody, um, and then their tenth game was Fresno State, who won. Uh, you know, had had the second biggest. You know, yeah. What are so, you doing? That's brutal. But, and they've been doing this since I was a kid. So it's like, I I I would be very if I, I mean they can offer a lot of money. There's the that's the bonus. But I would be very reluctant in a lot of ways if I was a, pr- a promising, uh, you know, young new coach to to even take that gig. And this is why we have you on the show because. Kobe has torn into the Purdue schedule over the past decade plus, and he knew <laughs> he knew Brom was the real deal, and he looks great. and And the, and it's not even just Brom being good; it's the Satterfield for Brom swap is just massive for that university, and they got off easy with that one. Let's co- go to Miami because, and we're not going to talk about this too long, <laughs> but like, man, oh man, Mario Cristobal, he is taking so much heat. Feinbaum called it one of the worst things he's ever seen at, at Hasselbeck. Everybody has. They don't take a knee with 30 seconds left. They Georgia Tech had no timeouts. They could have ran out the clock and gotten the W. They run the ball. Ball comes out. Maybe he was down. Maybe he wasn't. But it's ruled a fumble. Georgia Tech, 26 seconds later, scores a touchdown, and they win 23-20. to 20. In a 20-point spread in a game where Miami had a, an incredible yardage edge before that fumble, this is a disaster all the way around, right? <laughs> I mean, what is – he's known for this, correct, Colby? Oh yeah. I mean, look, I was a skeptic of the hire. I know you can recruit well, but come on, you're at Miami. If you hire anybody, you should be able to recruit. Well, um, uh, he did this with, I I believe it was Stanford, Stanford in Oregon in uh, like 2018 or 19, same situation. But in general, I've seen that like he got burned by the same exact scenario with Stanford, Oregon, but I've seen him just in, I could probably count. 10, 15 games really kind of have terrible, almost like we saw with Jimbo where, you know, we saw Jimbo this past week. He's not on the headlines, but in my opinion, he's the reason why they lost the game. Right. Yeah. I felt that way with Cristobal. Remember when Oregon would play Utah or something, or, or some of these other games where I, I, how about this? We were friends with, you know, with, with the departed Mike Leach. Uh, I thought he got very fortunate to beat Leach one year when I was like, he's a terrible coach. Uh, because of, I, I thought he mismanaged the game. They should have beat Washington state by a lot more. They ended up squeaking by, by three, I think in Eugene, but this is, I've seen this story over and over and over again. And you know, this is a terrible, terrible look for Miami, obviously. And you know, you could, I, I've seen the Canes fans online saying, well, he was down. Well, he might've been, I mean, I, it's very close, but they ruled it a fumble in the field and they should have never, they should have yeah. never been in that position. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant and, and to me. Miami like, was feeling themselves. They had the bye week. They had beaten Texas A&M. They're undefeated. It was typical. This was typical Miami. We saw Miami do this 2005. Miami comes to Tech, beats us. We were undefeated. They're going to go to the ACC title game. They lose to Georgia Tech the very next weekend, and we go to the ACC title game in 2005. This has happened to Miami before. They feel themselves. They screw up. And now they have a coach who's even more prone to it. And I personally loved it. 
they messed around and they found out they, what everyone says online. Rob, do you think that this just basically eliminates them from the ACC title game? Like after seeing this, it's not just give me your yeah. take on that. I think so. Well, and I'll, I'll harp back. Remember Georgia tech did this, not the same way, but they did this to uh, Miami in 2019 as well. So this is oh, there you go. <laughs> Georgia tech has, has a, uh, a tendency to uh, really, really get, get under the skin of Miami at, at the worst possible time. And that one was in overtime, but yeah, I think so because the, the, we've seen this Remember, undefeated Miami with everybody down in Miami. They did the huge, like, you know, game. They were what nine and zero at the time they lost, they lost that one. And then the wheels came off the, the only team that's more in their own head when things go sideways than Virginia tech is Miami. They, that's the, they are, it, it usually just go, it, it's an implosion usually in the locker room. So in my mind, Yes, I think this takes them out, and I think there's you know a couple other teams that definitely um, are going to finish off the season much stronger. So and they got to go to UNC later yeah. in the year, who has looked very un UNC like. I've I've been I thought Syracuse would cover that game despite not having the weapons. Uh, they didn't, and and UNC was in full control and, and took them down. Before we get to, I want to talk about USC. I want to talk about UCLA, uh, and then we'll move to to Sun Belt ACC stuff. But as I said at the top of the show, College Football Monday is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Who doesn't love supporting a local family business? That's what you get with McCoy's. Established in 1980, they offer full service, including major and minor repairs. They do oil changes, state inspections, engine and transmission rebuilds, repairs. Whatever you need, they can take care of it. They also sell tires. So if you need tires for the winter, get your oil changes done. Get your new tires. Winter is coming. It's getting cold out. They also have optional pickup and drop-off service if you just can't get to the garage with work, which I know a lot of people have that issue. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call. You can see it on the screen. It's 540-639-2933. And you can also find them on Facebook. Extremely easy to find. Just like that old buddy of yours, like we got Colby on the show here, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Colby, do you have your new tires for uh, <laughs> winter tires uh, lined up for LA? Uh, no, I don't. I need to. I need to figure that out a little bit here because uh, you know <laughs> we get that we get that December rainfall that you know it's tough. So I want to just touch on this briefly before we go back to the games. Colby, you slept on Robbie's couch in college for what was it? <laughs> six months. <laughs> one of the many stops. Uh, one of the many couch stops uh, in my life. Highly recommend doing that. And yes, I was. And and that's actually when I really got to know Robbie. I, I had known Robbie prior to that, but I didn't. I did not, uh, you know, know him well. And then, you know, they, luckily, I mean, I'm sure he was probably venting to his his girlfriend or his parents or whatever. Man, I got this guy on the couch. Yeah, this guy. I'm complete, trying to watch. Yeah, complete opposite. So, and Colby and I both have an affinity for, for movies and screenplays and stuff like that. So, um, there were plenty of uh, of very intoxicated evenings of of talking about <laughs> movies and things like that. But it was uh, 
it was awesome. You were and there, you were like filming, working something? on a, a documentary, I believe. Or... Uh, I was, I was, but at the same time, hey, Pete, they didn't charge me. They didn't charge me a dollar, so I'm, oh, I'm wow. still, I'm still indebted to Robbie about, you know, probably about ten grand. So, uh, you know, very it's good people. Yeah. It's not that much. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like two hundred dollars, uh, maybe max. <laughs> when Robbie comes to LA, you you take him out for a dinner, and it'll all be it's all a be wash. <laughs> yeah, wash. Yeah, done deal. I might. I still might owe you after that. <laughs> All right, let's move to USC because this team continues to impress me with how poor their defense is. Three overtimes with Arizona, they ended up winning, which I was so annoyed about because if they're not going to cover, just lose the freaking game. And they they won in triple overtime on a, on the two point conversion. Did they have more time of possession and more first downs and all this, and then they still. Uh, they were still down 17 or 22, nothing, 17, nothing. We were down 22, nothing in the tech game. They're all running together, but Jonah Coleman, the running back for Arizona, he was tremendous. 143 yards, 33, 37 more receiving the wide receiver. McMillan went off for 138 on six catches. I didn't even know who four fifth, this, this quarterback for, for Arizona, Fafita, five touchdown passes. Where did this guy come from? Oh, I, can I jump in right here? Yeah, that's what I want. Okay. Well, first off, he's uh, the son of a friend of mine. So uh, okay. it was absolutely fantastic to see him. Uh, you know, he grew up in Santa Ana, California, here in Orange County, uh, you know, here close to LA. And, uh, you know, he got his first start the week prior and played well, played well because Jaden Delar is injured. And, uh, you know, th- he threw one, one bad pick. They only lose by seven. I know that he kind of dressed it up. It was basically like a 14 point loss to, to Washington, but he's a dual threat kid out of Santa Ana, California. Very, very good. Very competitive, great guy. And, uh, obviously, you know, he played his heart out and in my opinion, fish, once again, going back to, to game management, Jed fish has done a great job making Arizona more competitive. They have a lot more like the, it just pops on screen. They got guys that are, will be in the NFL. Um, but man, you're a 22 point dog, a 22 point dog. I have two, two problems in this game. You go to kick the field goal. You played to kick the field goal, which you missed by the way, with about two minutes left to give Caleb Williams the ball back. I don't, you can't do that. In my opinion, you stay aggressive. You stay trying to take, cause USC's defense gives up big chunks. And then even with all that, when Caleb Williams drives all the way down there to the two yard line and USC gets their kick blocked sort of, or I don't know <laughs> if that counts as a block or yeah. just a, a malfunction from the <laughs> holder. Um, but, uh, then you get it to, to first overtime. USC scores first kick the extra point. I think it was the very first play for Arizona. They throw a 25 yard touchdown. You got to go for two right there. You yeah. got to go for two right there. You, the more times you give Caleb Williams, the ball and you have a, and look, uh, you know, uh, Noah Fafita played his heart out, but he's not experienced in overtime and he didn't cost him the game, but it would, I just think in my opinion, you got, you, you're a 22 point dog on the road. You go for two right there. This, this happens with Virginia tech a lot. Good Pete. You and I talk about this, you know, at nauseum and it's in a game that you are not supposed to win when you are the underdog and you get your shot, take the shot. Like nobody is going to fault you for coming away with a loss, or at least not some relatively intelligent football fans are not going to fault you for going mm-hmm. for it. And it drives me insane when people put together a game, keep themselves in it against a team that they 
you know, on paper or otherwise have no business being in, and then they don't, they don't at least go for, you know, go for the jugular. It, it drives me nuts. So I love, I love that you're bringing that up, Colby. Yeah. And they lost anyway. And so, yep. and, and so there you have it. And because Caleb Williams had one passing touchdown this game, I know he had three rushing, but like, when does he ever throw one passing touchdown? They, they had their shot and uh, I was unfortunate for them because I was really hoping Arizona would pull that one out. But my, my bigger takeaway from this is that USC just is not going undefeated. They've done three straight weeks of this where they play around with average to below average teams. They go to Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, at Cal, that is, Washington, at Oregon, UCLA. Like, how is this team with this defense supposed to run that table? I don't know if they catch two or three. They could. But because, uh, I mean, that, that there's UCLA just got a big win to beat Washington state. I mean, there are so many good teams in that conference. Do you think that they have any shot at running the table, Colby? No, I mean, they no, but they do have Caleb Williams. Um, I just, I mean, I think this conference is the best conference in the land this year, man. It, it is. Um, it is. and, um, they got to win. I will say they do have a little, they, 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 the, that's a ball buster of a schedule right there. But if they get past Notre Dame this weekend, their road trips are only, Cal Berkeley and Eugene. Now I fully expect them to, to lose in Eugene, but you know, if they can get past Notre Dame this weekend, it's huge because they are getting wash uh, Washington, you know, UCLA and Utah in LA. And, and before it looked like Utah with cam rising. Now I have no idea if he's even going to play this year. Um, so, so it, it, it did get a little lighter to me, but, but I still think no way because I, I think Washington is a better defense than USC. And even though that game's in LA, I think Washington can light them up. So, um, I, I mean, I, none I of the teams that they just took them that gave them problem. I know Colorado like was a late comeback, but like those teams are all not very good at all. And this is yeah. supposed to be a national, this is supposed to be a playoff team here. And so I, I, I would agree. Rob, are you on that? There's no chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have two different, they can, they get they get two teams in Oregon and Washington that could do it. I'm not sure Penix doesn't put up 650 yards against this defense. He might put up 700 yards. I'm that that guy's unbelievable, and against this defense, he is going to go off. So you have the high scoring team, a decent defense, and then you've seen what Oregon can do. They can shut you down. I mean, look at the Colorado game. They can, when they get feisty, and I think they will when they go up against USC. I think. I think they could, they won't, they'll still put up good numbers, USC will, in that game, but that is a very, you know, good defense that I think is going to, is going to make them work for it. Yeah. Did, were you, I can't get a good read on UCLA right now. And, and we'll talk about them and then we'll move to, to some, to some of the ACC stuff. It, like Carson Steele, he went for 140. Keegan Jones added two touchdowns in their win over Washington State, which Washington State is it's a solid team. It's not it's not a great team, but it adds to those eight really good teams in the Pac-12. I don't know what to do with UCLA. I, I'm not a Chip Kelly guy, mainly because I'm an Eagles fan, and I thought he was way overrated in the NFL, and then it proved itself out. Uh, is this team a legit contender to go to the title game, Kobe? I mean, what you, you you didn't like his move for Sam Bradford? <laughs> yeah, let, let, no, I did not. <laughs> Sam Bradford. The, the, oh God. Um. I'll, I'll, so so here's what's interesting, and this, this he is cut kinda, to Sean Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this is what's interesting though about these teams you know when you have when you no longer have divisions is uh and it's it's basically the louisville thing is you're looking for the path the path with with the least amount of uh, you know friction and i would say you ucla might be in a spot to do that no i have questions of course it looks like you know dante moore's going to be a, a star quarterback in time but he's a he's a He's a freshman and he plays like a freshman at times. Um, the defense though, I do think is really good and probably the best that he's ever had at UCLA. So that can keep them in some games. And the fact that, uh, you know, the schedule might be okay for them. Now they already lost at Utah. They play at Utah. I mean, they play at Oregon state this week, which I favor the Beavers, but I do think you're going to have a lot of carnage toward another thing that the PAC 12 did this year. And I don't know if this was part of their genius plan of, Hey, let's go out with a bang. <laughs> no, because that wasn't decided that they did the schedules like in, in January. So they still thought this conference moving forward was, was a thing. $50 yeah. million dollars, uh, for each school. Shout out to uh, the, the school president of Utah <laughs> for, for the, for that Intel uh, treated them great as the only people that can watch them are in you know, the, what the PAC 12 network is, is where, where do you get that? Like New Zealand? Um, I've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never actually tuned into PAC. I live in LA and it's hard to find. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got to know somebody, um, <laughs> but, uh, that login. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think, you know, I, technically there's that like, it wouldn't shock me if they played in the big, in, in the PAC 12 championship, just because they avoid a couple of the heavyweights, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I, I, I just, I think that their offense will catch them at some point. They like a perfect example is they lost to Arizona last year. Arizona was like a five and seven team. They got to go to Tucson this year. And I think it's like two weeks from now. And I, I like Arizona. That's the one thing, you know, uh, I, I was watching with my buddy, Patty C and, and he was like USC in Arizona, they look like the same team. Like there's not one team that jumps out to you that says this team looks better. So when you go play Arizona, I even think they're a lot better, maybe not record wise, but they're a lot better than they were a year ago or two years ago. Interesting. Um, so, so I, I just don't think that Dante Moore and them will be able to consistently put it together game in game out, uh, despite, you know, having a favorable schedule. So I do think they're a good team. I think they're a great defense and uh, you know, but I, I think they'll fall short, but you know, when it's all said and done. Yeah. There, there's just too much high quality competition. I think they're not, they're not quite ready yet, especially with some of their more experienced players departing last year. Let's go to the ACC. We already talked about Miami and how they screwed it up against Georgia tech. UNC whip Syracuse Clemson and wake forest. This is one of those years. It just feels like with Clemson, if they are not completely dialed in, they can be had. Is that, is that your read on it? Um, well, I mean, wake could have been, they wake. Uh, did you guys catch this game at all? I was not able to see uh, like no. barely any of this game. I read about it, but I couldn't watch it. So the very first drive, I think it was maybe it was the second wake gets down to the one yard line and on third down, they ail, they airmail it, uh, to a corner on the right or to a wide out on the right side of the screen and then, or the right side of the end zone. And then, um, on fourth down, they pass it again. And there's a wide open, like just so open the tight end. Now Clemson put a little bit of pressure on Griffiths, uh, but I mean, what could have been, then they also wake misses a kick right before the half that hits off the upright. Like 
this was the year. Well, once again, back to our conversation of like wake wake hasn't beaten Clemson in a long time. This yeah. was the year to do it. This was the year to do it. And um, yeah, I, I don't think Clemson, I, I don't know if club Cl- is it's almost like the Dante Moore situation is mm-hmm. like, I, th- I see the potential with Cade Klubnik, but they're not there yet. And, they're not and, clicking. Yes. Yeah. There, there's something about the new offense. It's, it's not quite clicking. It clicks in moments uh, and they, they can play really tough. Look at the Florida state game, but they, and, and cause wake's not even very good. I mean, Griffiths mm-hmm. has struggled. Both quarterbacks didn't even hit the 140 yard mark in this game. <laughs> it was kind of an ugly game. And like you said, wake normally gets, beaten pretty badly by Clemson. That's one of the reasons I, I kind of liked Clemson to cover. If I could have found it under 21, that didn't yeah. even come close. I mean, they, they were not focused and that's the difference. They don't have the same dudes. And I think that's clear. Like you see a lot of Clemson guys playing on Sunday yesterday. And that's something Kelly Gramlich said. And it's like, yes, but normally they would be replacing them with dudes that will play on Sunday. And there's yeah. just not as many. Is that how you feel about it, Rob? The, the the defensive line is not the defensive line of old. I mean, it used to be, it used to be up there with Alabama's. I mean, those two yeah. teams were trading punches with just like absolute freaks constantly on the defensive line. There's something stinky in Clemson, and I don't know if it's um, maybe they'll turn it around next season or the season after. But with the loss of all those coaches, I think it really screwed with the formula that was going so well in keeping the same coaches together, you know, kind of promoting from within the recruiting culture of keeping everybody not relying on the transfer portal. And people have been calling for this non-reliance on the transfer portal coming back and biting Dabo in the, in the ass at some point. And maybe we're starting to see it. I mean, it is not Football, college football has completely changed. You can turn around. You're in one off season. You can go from abysmal to like serviceable or pretty decent in one one good transfer cycle. That's all you need. And I don't know that they're there. He's gonna have to change the formula just the same way that Saban Saban had to reinvent himself twice at Alabama in yeah. terms of moving from the run from all defense. He he had to change. And if if he's not willing to do that, they're going to get left in the dust. Yeah, they need an offensive lineman in the portal. They need wide receivers in the portal, all of which were stuff that FSU went out and did, you know? And they they decided, no, we're good. This is OKGs and the Dabo build it up way. And it if they don't change soon, it, it could continue like this. Now, I do think there's probably just some recruiting misses in here and some bad luck here and there. But ultimately, the product just isn't good enough. And they're probably going to get a second loss before they have a shot at Florida state again, if they get a shot at Florida state again, because Louisville schedule is extremely favorable. They could, they could run the table on the ACC. Who knows? Uh, NC state was able to stave off Marshall. I know Colby had eyes on this game. He's a big Sunbelt guy <laughs> and Marshall. I felt, it felt like they were going to win and going into the week. I didn't think Marshall was great just because of their schedule you watch the ecu game i'm sure that's an old rivalry game where ecu had the lead in the fourth quarter right like what were your thoughts on marshall going into that game did you think they were finally going to go up against someone that would make them look inferior oh yeah i i one of my my favorite plays of the week if not my favorite was nc state minus six six and a half and i was very fortunate to get that but um 
Uh, Marshall, yeah. My, I thought East Carolina should. I thought East Carolina let him off the hook. East Carolina was up 13 10, about 10 minutes left in that game. If you look at that final score, you're like, hey, Marshall won by, I don't know, I think it was 18 points or something. Right. Um, but they, they, they scored the, to get the lead on a trick play. Uh, you know, the, the wide receiver screen where he's behind the line of scrimmage and then he could throw it forward. That's how they got the lead. And then ECU panicked with their young quarterback play and threw a pick. I think might've been two straight pick sixes if, or uh, uh, maybe the guy got tackled at like the five yard line, but it was something, something to that, that ex- extent where I kind of thought they let him off the hook and, um, but Marshall to, to Charles Huff's credit, um, they were, they played a lot better than I thought they would against NC state. Cause that's a hostile environment. And, uh, Francher and, actually threw the ball. I mean, yeah. he, he threw the ball better than I think he's ever thrown it. 315 yards, two touchdowns, four total. And looking at NC state, like I really wonder if they would have won this game if they stayed with Armstrong. Cause Morris gave them a little something. I know he, he also gave the ball away three times, but he had four touchdowns. NC state was able to pull away. And I was just shocked that Francher was able to throw the ball when NC state's objective was clearly let's shut down Rasheen Ali and make Francher beat us. And he almost did. Yeah. And NC state is a team that I don't know. They just kind of always underachieved to me. So like when I came into the preseason, even though I I'm not, a am not a big NC state fan, but um, they, uh, they coming in, like their, their secondary looked to be like one of the best in the country. I was looking, I was like, wow, they're going to be like a top 10 secondary. Um, and they always have a good defensive line. So I thought, you know, they, they've been a disappointment. It's not only Brennan Armstrong, it's, it's, yeah. it's, no, it's they the, don't have any yeah. players on the outside. Like, yeah. and they're, they're running back quit. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, I'm not a Doran guy. I don't think he has that next year. The years that they're supposed to be good. They always win one less game than they should. And the years that they're supposed to be average, maybe they win one more game, but it's, it's never anything too frightening. And we get NC state in Blacksburg later in the year, I'm going to the game. And I think it's a very winnable game. Like they're they're We almost beat them last year when our team was absolute garbage in Raleigh. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that we can pull that one off. BC beat army. Barely. <laughs> the BC that game another... was awesome. <laughs> it wasn't good. It was in pouring rain. It was in pouring. <laughs> it took that, that like the drama was, was so okay. uh, B, B, it took a fourth and goal. Uh, the final, the final touchdown right, by right, BC right. was fourth and goal with like about I don't know forty seconds left. So in that in that way, it was a very you know inter- interesting game. Like at the time, you know the game, you know when you play the service academies, the games end like an hour before the other games. So it's like <laughs> it's like the third quarter, and you're just like, wow, that, that's, you know, if you have all the the TV screen setups, um, that game it was definitely you know very dramatic there towards the end. And uh, it's a shame because I was rooting. I was actually rooting for Army. I wanted Army to get the dub. I there, mean, it's but, always fun to root yeah. for the service academies. And I think Army is—they're pretty solid team. I mean, they're—I think they're—I think they're my pick in the Army Navy game right now. They—they they certainly seem the, like the better team there. But yeah, BC needed that win. Uh, they flirt. BC loves to flirt with these like lesser teams. Like, look at what they Holy Cross game. Good lord. Uh, what do you think of Castellanos? Do you think he's the answer that for them going forward? No, but I, can we talk about like, you want to talk like I, I, I probably not, but I mean, he's, he's, he's the best option they have right now. Cause it's mm-hmm. BC, but, but at the same time, can we talk about their remaining schedule? Because Halfley's on the hot seat, right? People are saying he's done. And, and look, I, I think he probably should be done. Right. But 
Um, if you look at the remaining schedule for, for Boston college, there's, there's not like a lot. There's not like a lot of for sure losses. You look at the schedule. They're three and three right now. They got Georgia tech next week. Georgia tech just won their big game. It's a great spot to catch great Georgia tech. BC, we yep. just saw Bowling green beat Georgia tech two weeks ago. Then they're home to one and four, one and five Yukon. Right. Whatever. Then after that, they're at Syracuse. We just touched on this. Syracuse is kind of depleted injury wise. Then they're home to your Hokies, which that's an automatic loss. We right? hate going and up then, there. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> automatic loss. I was going to say you guys win. Um, and then at Pitt, Pitt, I don't even know what's happening at Pitt. Phil Jerkovic was somehow talked into being a tight end now. And then, <laughs> and then they're, they're uh, home to the Miami Hurricanes, but it's on Thanksgiving weekend. You know, those, the Miami guys don't want to come up to Chestnut Hill in cold weather. Um, this guy's going to save his job, isn't he? By default, right? I mean, I didn't, when I saw the over under this year, I didn't understand it because I thought BC was going to be terrible, but you just laid it out. Go ahead. Ronald. So, I mean, look at what they've done this season though. It's crazy. So yes, they're three and three, but they lost to a Florida state team by two, two points, right? Yeah. They, they had the Northern Illinois loss. They're supposed to lose against Louisville, especially what we now know about Louisville and how, how good they are. So you're sitting there looking like, yes, I know they've kind of screwed around with lesser teams, but They've gotten the wins. They've still, yeah. they didn't lose. If those games go the other direction, then he's on the hot seat, but he's absolutely saving his job. And it's hilarious because yeah. the, like just the way that things shook out. Uh, I think I, you, you, I know you guys are hokey fans. If you're hokey fans, you're like, perfect. Go seven and five this year. They'll, they'll give you an extension, you yeah. know? So uh, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> he, he just, he's not great. And it's just funny. Like no matter what they play, it's a, it's a two or three point game, either direction. Like it could be, yeah. it could be FCS team. It can be Florida state. They're going to, it's going to be within lost three. the Holy cross. Like that. <laughs> if you watch that game, Holy Cross's quarterback breaks like a 60 yard touchdown, but he looks back at the defender and his right foot touches out of bounds. This is like with like under a minute left. Oh my so God. It, there, there was no defender there. But the the Holy Cross quarterback stepped out of bounds, so they would have lost that game. Just they got very fortunate to 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 come out on top on that one. So they should have lost by to, they should have lost the Holy Cross, followed by a real shot to beat Florida State. That is the most Boston <laughs> College thing <Yeah>. ever. Right? <laughs> right. Last note on the ACC: UVA got a win. It wasn't looking good in that first quarter. William and Mary, I know Patty C was probably locked into that one. William and Mary was up, but you know, they, they, they brought it back. I, I don't know what's going on with a quarterback situation at UVA. I guess muskets the guy now again, uh, they, Calandria was a little too wild for them. I kind of thought they should have stayed with Calandria. 100%. I mean, look, I understand muskets, a grad transfer and you know, he committed to you. Maybe you promised him starting you know, I don't know what was promised behind closed doors, but uh, they're going to go like one and 11 or two and 10. Mm -hmm. You have a freshman quarterback that actually like, I gotta be honest. I I'm kind of impressed with them. It kind of reminds it. me of like a, a poor man's Mark Brunel or Steve young or something uh, where he Zach runs Wilson. up. Yeah. Runs up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I would just say, throw him to the wolves, make this a, a learning year for him. But you know, I also understand Tony Elliott's situation. Maybe you promised something and you're true to your word, which, you know, is very rare for college football coaches, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think, and I think if Grant Wells didn't get hurt on our team, that Brent Pry would have had more loyalty to him. And we would not have even seen Chiron Jones start a game yet. That's kind of how I feel. And I'm, I'm not, 
ever grateful for an injury, but I think it's worked out well for us only because I think Hiron Jones could be the guy going forward. And that's, that's the only way I'll liken us to UVA. UVA's schedule does not bode well for them whatsoever um, to finish off the year. They get UNC. They're going to get drubbed by, you know, Drake may Miami will have had a chance to maybe bounce back there. Georgia tech Louisville Duke. uh, After that, I mean, they are in deep shit uh, going into that. Watch them beat Miami, too. <laughs> it, it, listen, it, when it comes to the ACC, we just love to destroy the value of our conference any way possible, and Georgia Tech was proof of that this week. Uh, so, yeah, I could see it happening. <laughs> let's let's get to one of the reasons I wanted to have Colby on here, because we've already had him on here for an hour, and I feel bad, but we're having a good time talking about everything going on in college football. Make sure to, if you want to get in the chat, whatever, like the video, it always helps us out. Sunbelt. Colby watches every game. If you're not already aware, you've heard him talk about Holy Cross and BC, Army and BC. He's watching all the games. I wanted to ask him about the Sun Belt because this conference, in my opinion, is the best G5 conference. I'm going to put a graphic on the screen right now. You can see over on the right side, we've got the Sun Belt with the best winning percentage of any of the G5 conferences. If you, I got the standings here. James Madison, the, the only undefeated team. And in the West... Every team has a conference lost already. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen there. Troy and South Alabama both crushed some bad opponents this weekend. ODU beat Southern Miss. And Louisiana beat Texas State, a team that's been crazy on offense so far this year. NC State beat Marshall. We talked about that. But as we take a look at the standings, we see the undefeated JMU Dukes. How do you, are you handicapping this race, Colby? And championship game and otherwise, because I, I cannot get a handle on this. Well, remember, JMU cannot play in the because of the fine the fine That's people true. of the NCAA. They're trying like to, to get yeah. that like uh, taken the, care the, of. The governor of Virginia is behind this right now, uh, and the shout out to the NCAA for just uh, crushing the the lives of of young men. Right, we we <laughs> right. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, I do think JMU is like the clear cut. I am super impressed with JMU. Like super, super impressed with JMU. The Utah as far. State win was huge. Well, three straight road games. No one's done that in the country. No one's got. No one's. And, and all those teams they played. I know you can say, well, it wasn't against. Uh, well, it, one was against Virginia, so a little bit of a road trip. And then, uh, and then the other ones were Troy, who won what ten games last year, eleven Troy's games, good. I think it was. Yeah, and then Utah State, who was a bowl team too. So it's like. I don't care. Like that, those are really impressive wins. And the thing that stands out to me the most is their line play. When you watch JMU play, I mean, they have a better offense and defensive line. I feel like than like half of power fives. I, 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 I look, I, I, I am not a JMU fan. My, my buddy that I do the show with played at JMU. So we watch a lot of them more. So probably a little closer than uh, other schools. And I'm always taken back by, I thought this year they would have a little regression because they lose Todd Santeo and they're starting this, you know, freshman quarterback originally. I know now they've switched on to um, uh, the, the uh, Arizona transfer, but the line of scrimmage is where I, I really think that they separate themselves from a lot of other teams in the group of five. Um, so I would lean with them, but once again, they're not playing, they're not eligible to play in the Sunbelt championship. Yeah. It's it, that's, it stinks. And I, I hate that about this because that East one, that's a, that's a really, it's probably the better side of the conference. Although 
the the West with South Alabama and Texas State at, and Troy is is making strides here, but they're just all all these teams are going to beat up on each other. And you were talking about the lines for JMU. They lead the nation in sacks per game. And, yeah, I mean it, it is it's really outrageous. So I don't. I'm still not a believer in Marshall. I, there's something maybe because we played them, but if if Francher continues to improve, maybe maybe they will. But do you who do you think's coming out of the West? Do you think it's going to be Troy? Uh, you know, I actually think it's, I probably, I think I would lean South Alabama, but I, I've been, a, I thought they'd be a little bit better this year. So I, I could totally it, see, see it being Troy now, because I think that game's at Troy too, if memory serves me correct. But um, yeah, I think this game's fascinating in the East. Since I can't take JMU, I think I lean app state. Because App State play, they get they get coastal there. What this Tuesday in we in got Boone. a Tuesday night game. Yes, <laughs> App State. That's an that's an awesome game too. That's a, that's a that's a fun rivalry game. Absolutely. I believe they get Georgia Southern in Boone, the final game of the season. If memory serves me correct. So the fact that they get both of them uh, at home, I think I would lean App State. I don't remember where App State gets Marshall, but. You know, App State's three and two, but their two losses were super close games. Uh, you know, they they overtime loss at North Carolina, then a game that I was at in Laramie, Wyoming, two weeks ago. That had to where, be amazing. Oh, that was awesome. That that was a, a fan. Uh, go to Laramie. It's it's a great great experience for college football. But uh, but Wyoming's really good. Wyoming actually, I just was talking about this yesterday. Right now, if you had to to to, to who who would be in the New Year's Six Bowl? Which group of five would be in the New Year's Six Bowl? I think right now it would probably be Wyoming if if the season stopped right now. Now Wyoming's got to play at Air Force this week, but um, if if I had to right now, give me App State because I know JMU can't play in it. Uh, App State against you know what? I'll say Troy. I think I think I agree with you. Even though my preseason pr- projection was South Alabama, they don't look as as consistent. You know, South Alabama still went on the road to Stillwater and and beat down Oklahoma State, but. They haven't been able to, to put it together week in, week out, where I think Troy has has looked more consistently. So App State Troy would be my Sun Belt. And and shout out I really appreciate the Sun Belt because they're like old school college football. Yeah. Everyone else is going out and trying to, you know, we got Rutgers playing UCLA and that's a conference <laughs> game that makes me want to vomit, guys. And yeah. then uh That's horrible. So so I love what the sun, the new Sunbelt is. They, you know, it's just perfect to me as far as like, pat, they have passionate fans. I think that's one of the ingredients that they, they, they paid attention to uh, for the most part. I think like, you know, their fan bases are pretty solid Definitely. and, and, and regional the, rivals. Yes. Are, yes. Yeah. And then those rivalries, people don't realize they go back a lot. Like app state and Georgia Southern were a, a old school rivalry in the FCS, both premier FCS. Yes. Teams. Yes. Marshall, Marshall App State, old school rivalry in the FCS. Yeah. So they they're they're playing in the history too. So I love what they're doing. They I feel like they have, kind of have the heartbeat of of college football that I love. Well, those two, two teams you named in the West, Troy and South Alabama, they both have arguably the two best players in the conference because Troy has the leading rusher in the nation in uh, Kamani Vidal, and then Lacey from South Alabama is a really good wide receiver and. The quarterback from Georgia Southern, I wanted to give him a shout out too because Bryn is fifth nationally in yards per game. This t- this conference is awesome, and with the way the American has been just ravaged by by 
teams getting taken away. Like the Sun Belt, to me, it's it's a clear best group of five conference right now. And maybe they don't have that elite, elite team this year in terms of, uh, you know, a top 25, but there's so many good quality teams. And if we got that App State-Troy championship game, that would be a rematch of an incredible game last year. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. That game was wild. That game was, that was the Hail Mary, right? Yeah, it was the Hail yeah, Mary yeah. game. Yes, indeed. So, Colby, yeah, we've you, got... Go you're going to love the schedule, too, App State. So, yeah, they are they got Coastal Carolina at home. They go on the road to ODU. They'll get the W there. Then they get Southern Miss and Marshall at home. They go on the road, Georgia State, James Madison, but then they're home against Georgia Southern at the end. So, um, yeah, they do get Marshall uh, at home uh, there as well. So That's going to be a good one. But this this week we get Georgia Southern at JMU too, which is which is going to be a kick ass game, and that could be one of the few spots that JMU could lose a game because they lost to them last year. Yeah, like yeah. this is a legitimate chance for JMU to go undefeated. Because once they won that Utah State game, I was like, oh man, like this this opens the door here for because and and UVA really could have beat them too, but they're just such a freaking mess. But JMU has a legitimate chance to go undefeated and be left out of everything, which just sucks. Um, you, you had mentioned Wyoming is maybe your favorite G5 team. Let me get this off the screen. Uh, is there any other, what are the other competing teams for you? Like, is it SMU? Cause they're the highest in the FPI of the G5 teams. Is it Tulane? I know you are a big Tulane guy, uh, air force Fresno. I know Fresno just lost to Wyoming. So maybe that eliminates them. What's your thought there? I don't think it should eliminate them because Fresno won at Purdue and won at uh, Arizona State twenty nine nothing. And the very next week, <laughs> yeah, the, the very next week, USC barely beat Arizona State. Um, Fresno's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's be honest. I mean, I, I I pulled this nugget up week one when I took Wyoming to beat Texas Tech. When anyone plays in Laramie, that that's the highest elevation in all the FBS. the The fans are passionate. It is incredibly windy. So if you have like a passing attack. Their average like wind speed is like 15 miles an hour in Laramie, right? And and not only that, it gets super cold. I was just there, and I was there in September, like what September 22nd. And once that sun goes down, you're like, whoa. Um, so it is a sneaky tough place to play. I I want to say, you know, I remember UVA with Chris Long came up there, got beat down back in the day. Uh, UCLA came up there. A and M, I think in the in the late 90s came up there, lost Missouri. Out of the SEC, what and I think 2019. And you said Texas Tech this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they have a track record of it. So Fresno, and I just thought it was a bad spot for Fresno. It's like they come up Horrible there spot. trying to pass the ball all over. You know what I mean? It's like they're gonna go. That, that wind is gonna be shutting down that pass. So no, but I also think the Mountain West. To, I know you're 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 all in on the sun, but I think the Mountain West, and I fully, as someone that lives out here now, I grew up on the East Coast. I do believe there is a complete bias against the West coast. I believe all your voters. I truly buy into that, right? After living here now, all of our voters, because no, not not you guys, but I'm saying like all of our voters, like, like I completely think the mountain West is disrespected every year. I think that I think for hard to get eyes on and, and a vast majority of the voters uh, come from the East coast and it's just the way it is. And I even think the, 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 even though the PAC 12 was, was terribly managed and terribly run, I thought over the past few years, I actually thought it was better than the national perception of the conference. But, uh, but so th- I, I, I would lean back to your original question. I would lean right now, Wyoming, cause their only loss is on the road at Texas and they had a backup quarterback and that game was 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. 
right? Yeah, Texas, and that was – see, I actually came away from that game impressed with Texas because I thought Wyoming was so good, and Texas was coming off the Bama game. I was like, that's a dangerous, dangerous game, and Wyoming almost made them pay. They're, they're a very good team. I mean, one would wonder if Wyoming had their starting quarterback, would they have been able to 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 really, uh, you know, m- make Texas's defense? Because Texas's pass defense did look kind of shaky against Oklahoma. Um, but then you add in after that, I would probably I don't think SMU deserves that at all, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I I would lean after that, you know, JMU. Yeah, their losses to a terrible yeah. TCU team. I mean, yeah, and and they, awful. and they lost to Oklahoma, but. <laughs> They, they they just don't look that great to me. I watched that, you know, I watched, I think every game this season for them. And, uh, I, I, I would put a lot of other teams ahead of them. I think Tulane 100% Tulane's only lost much like Wyoming is when they didn't have Michael Pratt. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I think a very good team and that scores misleading. That scores more misleading than the Wyoming, Texas game, because that was like a three point game in the fourth. One of the final plays is the backup quarterback for Tulane fumbles and Ole Miss takes it back to the house. So yeah. that that was a very close game in the fourth quarter. Um, I would probably actually, I'd probably say, I would probably say like Wyoming one, Tulane two right now, and then JMU three, and then uh, uh, Air Force is surprising me. I got a chance to, I was at Mountain West, yeah. and, and and Troy Calhoun complete. He's he's a master of uh, you know deception. He told me he's. I interviewed him and he's like, yeah, the, the rule changes. We're not going to be any good. I mean, uh, <laughs> we, he's like, he's like, we lose Brad Roberts. He only had 3000 yards rushing his college career. We lose to Zeke Daniels, fifth year starting quarterback. You know, uh, we're just, we got everything up against this right now. They're ch- the NCAA is changing the rules they are coming for the service academies of all, of all places. And he was you know, playing possum t- with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then I watch him and I'm up. So I like come, come back to LA and I'm like, I got this nugget. I talked to Troy Calhoun, you know, and then darn, if they don't look like they, they're, I mean, they look unstoppable. They're they're Not only are they winning, they're covering by like double digits. And I'm like, Troy, what's going on here, man? <laughs> Colby, no. what, what, what you're saying hits deep because uh, Pete and I have talked about the messaging coming from Virginia Tech being like they, they've highlighted two things, two seasons in a row of like what they're looking for and what will be good. And it's been a disaster of the team. And we're like, dude, just undersell it. Like undersell yeah. no matter what. <laughs> Say that you guys are going to go potentially 0-12. You suck. You don't have any players. And then just outperform, and that's all you yeah. got to do. There's no, you get no props for saying good things about your team in in media days or otherwise. To the we've fan been base. told that Grant Wells is the most accurate quarterback our coaches have ever coached, like both <laughs> off seasons, and and we've seen how it's gone. I, the one remark I had on Air Force and Liberty, who Liberty is undefeated, they have played the two weakest schedules, literally one thirty two and one thirty three in the country. If you go by a fair, at, at least fair. Air Force is whipping people. Well, and I was just going to say, Air Force, no one wants to schedule them. They've been much like Army. Remember, Tennessee paid Army like one point five million dollars last year to not play them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that these teams not only do they have the the triple option that that you know it, it could be a nightmare to prep for. Um, they have a track record. Air Force has won like ten straight. They they have like. What three out of la- the COVID year where they only had like a four game season? Um, if you were to take that out, I believe the last three seasons, Troy Calhoun's won 10 games or more and beaten good teams. He beat like Mike Leach's Washington State squad. He beat, 
Baylor and Dave Aranda. He beat uh, uh, Colorado uh, when 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 they were terrible. Yeah, um, that's that's true. I yeah. remember. I don't that. know if that's that that's a feather in the cap or not, but <laughs> I mean, so they bad. won the game. They won the right? game. Yeah, and and you're right. They they are one of those weird teams that like I'm not sure what people are expecting when they come in and they they kind of run a a unique system and. I give them a lot of credit because they they look the part. It would be very cool if they were able to get up there in the playoff rankings and and get to a New Year's Six Bowl. Seems unlikely, but but it could happen. Just in case we have to cut, if Colby needs to run or anything, let's get to the Week Seven games before we go over VT Corner here, and I'll pull it up on the screen here. These are just the big games, and I know you you look at every game. Last week we had a ton of bye weeks. Uh, for a lot of teams. And so there's only about 45 FBS games. There are some really good ones this week. We got a, a bunch of ranked matchups. We got the, uh, the the Big Ten West matchup. We got that Iowa and Wisconsin game could decide that side of the conference. USC and Notre Dame is a massive one. Oregon and Washington. I cannot wait for that. That is going to be spectacular. Looking at these games and just in general, Colby, do any of these numbers jump off the screen? And keep in mind, I got these numbers last night. Things are changing all the time, but these are the spreads we're going to go with for any kind of picks. I mean, yeah, I love several of those. Um, I mean, the one that jumps out to me right from the start is, is oh, have you guys, Auburn LSU has always bananas. Like, I don't care what the record is. I don't care what the record is. Those games are always insane. So like, it's almost like when I took last week, I took Arkansas plus, I think it was 12. Mm-hmm. I knew that those games are insane too. I'm like, what, why are they setting this yeah, at I 12? Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, I mean, these games are absolutely insane. So I fully expect Auburn to cover the 11 and a half. Like you get big game, uh, Hugh freeze too. I mean, yeah. he, he typically steps up in those moments. Now I, I, I guess I can understand the, the lines, you know, the odds makers logic that Auburn struggles to throw the, the, the forward pass and LSU that's LSU's weakness, but I don't care. Like to me, it's like they, these games, he'll have trick plays or something dialed up. Like that's just too many points in a game where it's a rivalry game. That is, is just always, it's kind of like red river. It's like, I was a fool to take Texas because in hindsight, I mean, I thought Texas was the better team, but I'm like, normally you just always take the dog in those matchups because it's always insane. Um, that one jumps out to me. And then uh, I would say, I, 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 I love Washington minus three against the Oregon ducks. I just think, oh, okay. I just think coming into, you know, it's, it's much like Autzen. you go to Autzen and it's very hard to win. One of the sneaky tougher places to win. I think is in the whole country is uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the stadium right now, but the, the Washington Huskies home stadium, the sailgating. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that place gets loud, man. And, and uh, so I, I think Washington knowing, you know, they both had bye weeks but I just think Washington at home with that noise behind them. I think Oregon, Oregon hasn't, I thought the reason why I thought Colorado might be able to cover against Oregon. And I'll be honest, this was more so me being a Colorado fan growing up, but um, I thought their wide receivers could expose their secondary. But my one, my one thing that I did not think would work for Colorado is them blocking Oregon's defensive line. Right. So Shador wasn't getting the protection to get the ball to those wideouts. I still think their secondary is, is unproven because mm-hmm. if you look at Oregon's resume, I, I, I want to see more. And I think Michael Penix and obviously those receivers for Washington can really exploit that secondary. So I like Washington minus three at home there. Um, Let's talk about USC Notre Dame real quick, because sure. do you think 
And Rob, I'll ask you first. Do you think that Notre Dame can keep up with USC? I know we've talked about USC's defense being terrible, but Notre Dame has had a little bit of a problem scoring the football the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah that's going to be difficult. I think USC, that's that line is tighter than I probably would expect. Granted, it's it's a rivalry game between those two teams. It has been for, for a long time, which, you know, to Colby's point, could be, could make it interesting. I don't know. That that's going to be a tough task. Well, Notre Dame's defense is really going to have to do something special to try and slow them slow them down. Um, and I don't know. There seems to be like a governor or cap on what Notre Dame can do on offense. So if Notre Dame's defense isn't able to to slow them down, I, I don't know that I can see all that much you know scoring from 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 Notre Dame in terms of like getting up to a high point total. I think they can be efficient and get in the you know the thirties and, and do something like that. But if this thing turns into like a forty point game, I don't, I just don't know if Notre Dame even has that tool set right now. Right. I mean, are they going to get Great House back for this one? Do you are, do you have any insight on that, Colby? But like they they just need playmakers on the outside. Uh, last I heard was uh, up in the air. I think, but okay. um, I I lean Irish though, man. I I, okay. I think because here's here's the thing. I think Notre Dame's run defense is their weakness. I don't know that USC commits to the run enough to really make them pay. You know what I mean? Like I, I think anyone can score on USC. I know Notre Dame seems like they score like 16 points a game right now, but <laughs> I, I feel like they'll be able to, to get in the thirties there. I trust the team with the better defense also with the home crowd behind them. Now, obviously I, this is, I fully expect this to be like a three point game in with the five minutes left. I wouldn't be sh- shocked if USC won, but I think Notre Dame, it's just a perfect spot coming off the loss at home uh, with, with a quarterback that I think I know he just threw like five picks or whatever it was, five turnovers. Five um, turnovers yeah. Well, I, I, I do think he's better than, than that performance. And I think he can snap back and have a big win here. And you know, people, if there's a remedy for him struggling, it would be this USC defense. Exactly. Exactly. And so they could, they could easily, they could put up 40. They're just going to have to have estimate, have a great game. And they're going to, he's going to have to Hartman's going to have to play really, really well. But I think, I think Notre Dame's probably the right side just because it's, it's under a field goal right now that Texas A&M at Tennessee game. Is that just a complete stay away? I think if I had to pick a side, I'd go with A&M, but that just seems like so unpredictable to me. I think if I had to pick a side, I'd take Tennessee just because, I mean, I understand the stay away logic, but uh, especially with this one, but A&M has all the pressure on them right now. If Jimbo loses this, so to me, Tennessee's kind of playing with house money in a way. Like you've seen Mizzou lose to LSU. Now had Mizzou won, maybe, maybe Tennessee fans, it'd be more of a must win. But I think you now know that Tennessee still has to play Mizzou. Yeah. A Mizzou plays Kentucky. Kentucky just lost to, to Georgia. So I think Tennessee knows that they're kind of in a spot to, to, to get second, second place here in the sec East. Uh, or potentially first place when they, they host Georgia in late November. But um, I I think the pressure's on Jimbo Fisher. Like to me, like you got to go on the road now after that game where I feel like 
we nationally they might not be covering it as as him botching that, but I bet you in College Station, I've been to College Station. I feel like they they live and breathe football, so th- they are. Uh, I, I'm sure very upset about the way things you know played out against Alabama there. So I lean Tennessee minus three just because of the pressure. Yeah, and my logic on Tennessee really is that I don't really think they necessarily deserve to be ranked. I don't think they're that great. But you're absolutely right. With Texas and M coming off of the emotional Alabama game, it is it's a more difficult spot. It's in Nayland. Like that that is tough. And like I said, I won't be betting it. I just just was curious about your thoughts because it just seems like a tough game to predict. Uh and then going outside, there's there's a few other good games. I mean, you've got Florida and South Carolina this weekend. Any any week of college football, there's always going to be great matchups. If you look at our week at VT game. I see you see there I have the line opened at plus three for VT, but now it's plus one. I how do you feel about that type of line movement? How do you feel about the Hokies in the wake game? I mean, Wake looks vulnerable, but I love Dave Clawson. So my first thought would be just trust Dave Clawson. But obviously, you know, Lane has one of the best college football environments in all the country. Uh and I do think Am I crazy? And I'm curious your guys' take on this. They're getting better, right? The Hokies are getting better. I feel like the past couple of weeks, right? Yes, well, I I think yeah. so, Rob. Yeah, they are. I mean, we shot ourselves in the foot multiple times in that FSU game. We had a chance to make it close. Um, you know, Tootin as the run back, right coming out of halftime um, to make it a 14 point game or two touchdown game, and then we our our linebackers shit the bed and give them up a you know 70 yard touchdown run but uh so the score isn't really indicative of the chance that they had in this so i think they're they're improving it's a slow burn though uh throughout the season it's gonna take a while the offense has improved that's what i'm saying like that's what makes me think that they're probably gonna be able to get this one with the when you mix that with the home environment but wake i was impressed with last week the week the two weeks before i was not super impressed with wake forest but I mean, they were I, losing to ODU for a while when they played them. And, and they Georgia had, Tech, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a weird team this year. The thing about the Hokies' schedule, and just the Hokies in general, is the ACC is not very good. And so there's winnable games. All down, we got Wake, we got Syracuse, we got NC State, BC, UVA. You could win all those games, you could lose all those games. That's where Tech is right now. But the offense, since the change to a more of a – option offense. I, I don't know how you put it exactly, Rob, but something like that. Mm-hmm. We're, we ran a lot more pitches and screens and tosses last game. Chiron drones makes us so much more dynamic. It gives the offensive line just a little bit of extra breathing room. And we don't look as atrocious up front as we had been looking defensively 282 yards allowed to Florida state is ridiculous. When you consider what Florida state was doing on the ground before that game, we, we thought we had maybe turned a corner with the rush defense against Pitt because we held them to 38 yards rushing. But all of our flaws at the linebackers, at the safeties, and across the D-line were on full display. Benson went for 200 on 11 carries. I mean, Rob, you watched it intently. Like, what, I think he like, went for – he might have gone for 120 on two carries. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking. I no, think it might've been 120 yards on, on two of the carries. Um, it was, it was wild. Yeah. We thought we had something solved, but it's, it's atrocious on, 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 uh, right now what's happening on the run defense. And I, you and I talked about it before the game, Virginia tech, if you want to get your running back going, 
play Virginia Tech. Like if you're if if you're not performing up to snuff, it's like uh, in the run game, then you know Virginia Tech's uh, is here to get you rolling. And we had another early deficit, and that's something we saw against Rutgers. It's something we saw against Purdue. FSU jumped out to a twenty-two nothing lead, and everyone felt like it was over. But I will give the guys credit because they clawed back. We got a field goal, and it's like, all right, scoring streak's not going to end. That's good. Longest one in college football. Let's keep that going. But we followed it up with a touchdown, and Tootin is still the man. This the running. I mean, you might know him from FCS, Colby, but like. This kid Tootin from NC, yeah, uh, was A and T, yeah. Oh my God, he's so good. I mean, he should be an NFL running back. Like his balance, his power, his speed. He ran back the opening kickoff in the second half to make it twenty-two to seventeen, and we had hope for like forty seconds before Benson went off. But I love this kid Tootin. He gives us a, a a chance going forward. Yeah, I mean those FCS. I mean, look at Flo- Florida State's best defensive players, a defensive end from Albany that transferred in. Wow, you know yeah, you're that's right. why. That's another thing. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we want to take it there right now, but I'm saying uh, the like I do think some of the parity you're seeing is because of the transfer portal and the fact that you can, if your scouting department is is up to speed, you know, I, I bet you there's a lot of coaches that weren't watching Albany football games or North Carolina A and T football games, so. Um, if you can, if you can have your, your, you know, your team out there studying film every day, every day, every week, um, the portal, I think has made a lot of this parody as well as the, uh, some say the NIL. And I think maybe a little bit of the NIL, but I think that the portal certainly. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely adds a different dynamic to it because even the teams that get picked off the, the Mac teams and the other G five teams that get picked off and guys elevate to the P five. Sometimes it works out for those teams too. It's 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 a very odd thing with a portal. Like you think all the cream would rise to the top, and and it does to a point. But like I don't think the Fresnos and the Wyoming's and Tulane's are necessarily worse for the wear. It's kind of a it's it's a very interesting thing. Somehow I, I feel like it has created almost more parity because those lesser teams will go find a guy from FCS, as you said. Well, yeah. And, and like for your coaching, like, um, I, I really believe at least from the people I've been able to, to interview too regarding this, it's like, you can address, you can, it's almost factors into how good of a coach you are because you know, you can, you can address, like, I I think it was Craig bowl. The Wyoming coach was saying like, yeah, I went out and got Holy Cross's wide out. You know, no one watched Holy Cross. He starts for Wyoming now. I think you got a couple other key pieces, but if you know the clear weaknesses of your team and you can, you know, go break down film and say, Hey, this guy's good, even though he's at Holy cross or something like that, as an example, whereas, uh, as uh, the other side of that coin is like, if you're just, you know, an sec score, big 10 school, and you're like, Oh, let's go get that thousand yard receiver for uh bowling green. That might not be a guy that's better than your second string or third string wide out. It, it, so it can go either way. You really got to be able to study the film and break down stuff and have people, you know, connected, I would say, uh, to what your blueprint is. And, and, you know, I, I, I definitely think it's a huge result of our parody. I definitely think like you look at, you look at the best schools right now, short of Georgia, which even Georgia, I think they're, they're they have a couple transfers there. I think every other school has key transfers, you know, like Michigan definitely on the offensive and defensive line has a, a slew of transfers, um, even though they've played nobody, but, um, and it creates different and Rob, I'll let you go. Do you want to jump in here or something? Yeah. I, I just think if you can have 
right now, and we're probably about a, anybody that's going to start it today is probably about 12 to 18 months, a little bit late. I think if you had a school that dropped a lot of money in having scouting analysts uh, and no lawnmowers uh, going behind them, uh, you can hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Robbie's got people had, working in his backyard. <laughs> but if you had five people, you know, just evaluating film of FCS schools and stuff like that, doing what basically Colby's doing in and out every week and feeding that up to identify real talent that could play, play hard at a P5 level that could fill those gaps right now, you could... Um, really take advantage. It would be equivalent to the Moneyball uh, situation and going back to sabermetrics and those sorts of things. That That is a true angle and a differentiator that you can make that is not game day driven. That's true in a room, just looking at film, understanding what you can bring in. You can make a huge difference. And two years ago, people were talking about whether this would create parity, not, not make it worse. And I think the people that thought it would make it worse were wrong. It, ju yeah. it just was fundamental when there is more freedom of movement. And you see this across professional sports. You see it all the way down. When there is freedom of movement of players, it levels out the water, right? It makes things come out more even. And I think it's pretty exciting for, it sucks not being able to have people all the time for four years and really get to love them. But in terms of the product on the field, it's immensely changed the It's the not game. worse, right. The product is not worse because of the transfer portal, in my opinion. No, uh, I, I completely agree. And I think like, you know, sometimes if you're, if, if, if you're at a smaller school, sometimes I, from my experience of interviewing coaches, it doesn't necessarily like the, the harder job might be the smaller school as far as like, you might be the better actual football coach than the guy who can recruit really well historically you know this is once again a new era now with nil being legal you know take mario cristobal for example and i don't mean to to completely destroy this guy but i'm saying like this is a guy who's no, known, ahead, as a, he's known as a, <laughs> known as a, as a recruiter right so i would question how well he can break down film you know obviously i don't know about his team or who, who he's working with now college football has you have a lot of general managers but um I, I would question the way that if they're bringing in, they do bring in a, a ton of transfers and I would question, are they bringing in the right ones as opposed to you take, you know, like we said, Craig bowl or something who, uh, you know, I feel like I trust his evaluations. And I think that the more traffic, like to Robbie's point, uh, the better coaches, like I said, you don't need to be the, the number one coach of the year because you played in the national championship. If you know football and you can coach up, you say, who is this defensive Maryland starting an offensive lineman from Frostburg state. Dad, that's not even FCS. That's D two. And he's a stud. He's going to go to the NFL, right? So if you know what the hell you're doing, I think there's a ton of, uh, of, of leeway now, whereas before you were kind of stuck with this huge area of weakness. Yeah. And, and, the last thing we'll say on this before I move off transfer portal and get back to some stuff that's going on this year is just that it can also create a reliance that isn't so good. Look at Alabama and them going after Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech last year. They bring him in, great running back. That's awesome. But where is Derrick Henry? Where's Ingram? Where's Richardson? Where's Lacey? Where are the, the guys that you used to develop? Now you've decided, oh, we can just go out and get a Jameer Gibbs. We don't have to have this stable of running backs. And and it works at different positions at different times because we saw the, the talent at wide receiver and they've made more of a focus to throw the football. But I just thought it was an interesting example of something like normally we know who Alabama's running back is, who it's going to be, and they're always going to be high up there on the Heisman list. 
And now, like, I don't know, because they feel like, oh, we can just go grab a running back from somewhere. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So it do- there are these different leveling things that happen from the portal. Uh, just to finish up on VT real quick, the rush defense is still bad. We we know that. Hopefully the linebackers or maybe Nasir Peoples continue to get, can get healthy and get back fully. But we got to be a little bit better in the back end and, and figure this out if we do want to try to go to a bowl. Because we need four more wins. And there are four more potential wins out there. It's just that we're going to have to play better on defense if we want any shot of going to a bowl. Me and Robbie will talk more about Florida State and wake and the rest of the season on our two deep show later in the week. But I I would say the goal of that game was to go down there, not get hurt and to, to get out without embarrassing ourselves. And I think, I think we accomplished that we covered, we probably didn't deserve to cover because we scored 10 offensive points, but, but we covered. And is that how you feel, Rob? Yeah. I I got a text. I'm on a chain with a bunch of guys. And as the game started and I didn't even like, I didn't chirp back or anything like that, but somebody texted that FSU, it looks like they're going to beat us 83 to nothing. That's how the game started. So the fact that they even showed signs of life coming back from that is the FSU scored 22 points and made it very, look very, very easy to start this game. You, you easily could have just mailed that shit in and just been done with it. And I, I think they stuck around and they at least didn't get fully embarrassed. And that's about all. And came out relatively healthy. And I think that's about all you could ask for. And we've seen this from FSU, these lulls that they have where they're, they don't really do anything for a while. And all of a sudden they explode. And like, I'm not sure if that's going to be good enough for them to win a national title, but they, they, they're, they're, their high end is very high. Do you think that's right, Cole? I mean, I do, but I also like, I mean, in the way the schedule breaks, I think, I mean, I personally thought Clemson should have beat them. I thought Clemson was the better football team that day, but um, they, they got out really of there. Well start. Yeah, they got, and they got out of there. That defensive touchdown was huge. Mm-hmm. That changed the game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're certainly one of the more talented rosters I've seen, but I, I do question like, like, I mean, I kind of thought BC had them on the ropes. I know they sat a few guys because of the flu, um, but at the same time, that's why I like my Louisville ticket. That's why I feel I, I know they Florida state doesn't really have any true tough road games anymore because I mean, I pit if Narduzzi somehow gets that team playing better, which is a big, if um, wake, I guess has had a decent track record against Florida state lately, but I still think they're kind of, you know, in, in so that I do expect Florida state to be in the ACC championship, but I, I do think there's a blueprint to, uh, to beating them. I, I was shocked that LSU got beat down so bad by Florida state. I, I still, and thought, that was one of those explosions though. It came on late because it yeah. was a, it was a tight game for a while. And then was it the interception that kind of turned the tide in that game? Yeah. And, and LSU secondary has proven to be really bad. So now we see why, you know, Florida state was able to open it up so much. You wonder if they play, a team that's more like Clemson's makeup. Like I said, cause I thought Clemson kind of let them off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, could, could they get it? The question is they might not until the playoff. So, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I, I don't think they're good enough to win the national championship, but from a roster standpoint, I think they're good enough. If that makes sense. 
And they're definitely good enough to win the ACC. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And be, I would and favor be, them right now to, to yeah. win the ACC. Yeah. To be in the playoff. And I've pulled up the AP poll on the screen. That's the that's the rankings you see there. And you'll see Colby's Louisville Cardinals at number 14 in that's that That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> ridiculous. This is... Can we talk I, about this hate, for a second? You hate, yeah, of course. That's why I had it's on the screen. You hate the polls so much. <laughs> it's it's a popularity kind. It's, it's people. Here's the the thing that I've learned as I've gotten closer to it. Right. It's it's people that don't watch the games, and I don't understand how we have a system that's built on so much. You know, like millions of dollars dictate this. You know what I mean? And and to me. I, we watch all the games. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying put me on there as their main voter or something, but I'm saying like, they should at least be watching. Like I'm watching because when you sit there and you see like uh, the week after Tennessee beat Florida or I'm sorry, Florida beat Tennessee, you have like half the people are saying, yeah, Tennessee's this was like week three. They both oh, yeah. had the me same and Rob record talked about that, right? how they were ahead of them after they lost to them. It's, it's so stupid. Well, it, it, they're just phoning it in. And to me, like I've, I've met people now that have votes and I, I, I guarantee you, you can sit there and say, who's the starting quarterback for Louisville. They have no idea. So it's like, why would you have this? Why would you have this system in place where you, you should have more qualified people for this? Because I mean, we Lu- need like the Twitter CFB nerd poll is what we need. And we need it to be <laughs> important because there are people like you and like some of our listeners and people that work for the sons of Saturday that like watch so many games. And if they don't watch them, they read about them. They're looking at the box scores. They're making sure they're not just looking at the the general scores of the P five and then ranking them. Because for example, like does like Miami deserve to be ranked Does like, no. like, no, they like don't. I'll answer that for you. No, they do not. <laughs> they're number 25 right now. They've We've played- still got, yeah, they played two power fives. They're one and one, right? And they have yet to play a power five on the road. Sorry, get out of here. All right, like, um, look, Louisville. You could say, okay, they 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 haven't played the best power fives, but the reality is they've played, I believe, five of their six games are against power fives. I don't even know if anyone else in the top twenty-five has five power five wins. So, so you're saying that Louisville should be higher. There should be yes, better. Yes, rest. yes, yes. I okay. mean. I, I could nitpick a lot of this because like even Georgia and Michigan, which obviously we know are extremely talented. They've played nobody. And they took, but they did take care of their business this week. And that's something I wanted to just say that Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, Ohio state fooled around a little bit with Maryland, but ultimately they covered a 20 point spread and and they won. Uh, the, I agree with you. Like Georgia schedule is a joke this year. Michigan's out of conference schedules, a joke every year. And they were, Michigan was basically using it as a preseason. I've heard that said on some podcasts, and it's totally but, true because they were messing around with their offensive line and everything. But go ahead. But but I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to interrupt. But I'm saying like Michigan, what, what, it's October 9th, guys. It, right? Like <laughs> Michigan, Michigan has not played a top seventy offense yet. No. Yeah. But they did win fifty-two to ten. Like that, so I, I I get I totally understand what you're saying. Now I have Michigan in my playoff four, and I've had them in my playoff four. That is different because that's a prediction. That is different than merit based. And if you want to go with merit based, it's Oklahoma, it's Florida State. Yes, um, yeah. It, you know, I, I mean, at least Penn State beat some Iowa thirty-one nothing. West I mean, Virginia that, is a good win. West right Virginia now. is good, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. They're four and one. I mean, maybe they're not good, but they have a good record. And so. Oklahoma did move up seven spots to number five. 
Georgia's still number one, as Colby said, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Texas drops to number nine. Uh, I, I'm good. I think I'm good with that drop in that spot. I think Oklahoma should be higher. I, I mean, they, they should probably be a little higher after after that huge win. Notre Dame drops to 21, going to five and two. And LSU, uh, Mizzou, Mizzou drops out after losing to, to LSU. Fresno also dropped out after their loss to Wyoming, which is just the way it is with uh, with the G5 teams. But, like, that doesn't – they've been good, you know? And maybe you Their, their resume is better than Miami's. I'm sorry. Yeah, this yeah, is ridiculous is. to me. Like, like uh, they they have two Power 5 wins. Miami only has one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they lose at Wyoming. We're gonna we're gonna give them. That's first off. That's their third away game. Most of these teams in the top twenty five play play three away games the whole year. You know what I mean? Or four. Um, I I don't know. I I or how is Wyoming not listed there? Their only loss is when they had a backup quarterback. I thought they based on years past to the number say, nine team. Yeah, exactly. And based on years past, when they the we don't we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, you know. Hit hit you too much if you had a backup quarterback. It's a situational spot. Oh, maybe for Alabama, but not for not for Wyoming. It's nonsense that's because none of the voters yeah. even knew that they had a backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that, exactly. But they change the goalpost on. all the time, and it's a it's a terrible. Like as much as I love this sport, I think it's just a terrible the system that we we use. Well, this is the beauty of Colby, and if you listen to him at all, and I encourage you all to listen to the college experience. It's a great show. Like he puts out a ton of content. He loves college football to no end, but also like hates so many things about it. And and I love the hills that you die on. And I can't wait for you to tear this apart because I'm about to give, give you my playoff four. And I'll ask you for yours too, if you have a prediction for us. Uh, this is my playoff four. I have changed it this week because I had Texas at number one last week and uh, they almost won, but they did not. And so I look at Oklahoma's schedule. It's an easy path to the Big 12 title. They could easily drop a game, but I still fully expect them to be in the Big 12 title game because the rest of the Big 12 is a little bit of a mess. And so Oklahoma's number two for me, if you're just listening and not watching. Michigan is number one. I've got FSU at number three, and I've got Alabama at number four. And my reasoning for Alabama, I am a believer in Jalen Milrow. They could lose the LSU game but they could still go to the SEC West Championship because LSU's defense is bad enough. I think they could they could lose another game. So this is my playoff four right now, and it is not all based on on merit. It's 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 some of it's it, a lot of it's with Michigan is based on prediction. Like because I I think that they're going to get the better of Penn State and Ohio State. They will be number one. Oklahoma. We could have a situation where they could lose to Texas in the Big Twelve title game and make it just like TCU did last year. It depends on what Texas does, but that's a scenario. Florida State, I think they're probably going undefeated. I, I, They could screw up, and they very well may, but I think they're going to be in the playoff. And then I just said that I think Milrow play, is, plays well enough, and the defense for Alabama is good enough that they will beat Georgia because Georgia ha- will not be tested to the degree that Bama has already been tested. Uh, and I think Bama gets the better of them in the SEC title game. So that's my prediction as of right now. Okay, Colby, what do you hate about this? <laughs> Colby, well, let I, me let me let me set yeah. you up with this on the FSU, which I know you're staring at. So I just looked up. You know who has a really good run defense? Actually, Louisville. And in that Virginia Tech game at home <laughs> against, we are not a good team, right? And if we had a better and a really good run defense, that would have been a very, very close game. Um, if not, maybe to a different outcome. So I think. 
I went from not really sure to fully bought in on this Louisville pitch that uh, Colby, <laughs> you like fully, I think I've gone all the well, way. That- but they got to get there too still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like one of the things that terrifies me is this pit game they have this weekend because you're like, man, they just they just stormed the field. Right? And and Pitt's just been sitting there. Pitt had the bye week. They moved Jerkovic to tight Absolutely. end. Absolutely. I could Narduzzi's a, a maniac, so I'm just like I I could completely see Pitt just beating the beating down Louisville That's this what weekend. They- that's what Pitt does. They will yeah. ruin your good season. Yes, I completely could see that happening. But uh I I do think if 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 it's Louisville, Florida State, it'd be a very interesting ACC championship because I think people might be surprised at uh at what Jeff Brown could do in that matchup. However, I'll even agree, like if I'm forecasting, mm-hmm. not not based on resume, because I would strongly disagree on the resume, obviously, but uh um uh I, I think you got to put Michigan in because I, even if they lose to Penn state, I don't think they're both going to lose to Penn state and Ohio state. No, no. The big 10 West is awful this year. I mean, it's been bad in years past, but I think this is maybe the worst that I can ever recall the big 10 West. It's bad. So that means they're not going to lose in, in the, in, in the uh, big 10 championship game. Um, so let's pencil Michigan in. And I actually think you're probably right to put Florida state in right now, like, because they're going to get Duke, but they're probably not going to get Duke with Riley Leonard. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's just, you look and you're like, can Pitt? I know Pitt gets Florida state in November. Maybe if Pitt just, <laughs> but they look so bad this year. They look so bad. They're I thought coming into the season. I thought coming into the season, that was the game I circled. Like Pitt's normally so good on the line of scrimmage. I was like, and it's going to be in cold weather. They're going to get them. But now I'm like, no, no, I think I'd lay 14 <laughs> with Florida state. Um, <laughs> So they're probably going to be able to do it, even though I, 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 so I would agree with that. I do not agree with Oklahoma. I think, I think there's too many tough spots. They're at Kansas. I, 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 that's kind of a, this was the hardest one for me. I mean, and, and because they do, the schedule isn't, it's not Michigan and Ohio state or whatever, like Penn state has, but there are some tough games. You mentioned the Kansas game, West Virginia, all there's of couple, their road games, all of their road weird games. road games. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't play well at Cincinnati earlier in the year, but I just like, after that win, the way they've been crushing a bunch of other teams, I went with Oklahoma. There's no PAC 12 team. This has been every week. I haven't had a PAC 12 team in here. And that continues to be, I think the quality of the conference is too good. Top to bottom for these, for any team to emerge unscathed. And then I think the lack of respect from the committee will hurt them. And I, I honestly think a lot of those teams could end up with two losses. Now I want to see what happens with Oregon and Washington, because depending on who wins that game and how it looks, one of those teams might jump into my playoff four and maybe Oklahoma pops out. But the, the debate on what to do with Texas and Oklahoma, uh, cause Texas has that super good win. Uh, Texas could go 12 and one and they probably have the best law, the best win of anybody like beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So like it, it was, this is an impossible exercise, but like, yeah. this is, this is my prediction as of right now, just cause I think Oklahoma has what it takes to run the table. And if they run the table, they'll be in. And they, they, it really comes down to one really, really tough game at a bunch of other dangerous spots. I like Texas's uh, remaining schedule a lot more than I like Oklahoma's. I think okay. Oklahoma in, at Kansas is kind of more of a toss up game to me, especially with the way Jeff Levy does his offense. I know Oklahoma blew him out last year, but assuming Jalen Daniels has, is it healthy? Cause he wasn't healthy for last year's game either. Um, 
but then they have to go. They have the final game, the final game of Bedlam. You know, yeah. That... I mean, it's for listen. It's a rivalry. <laughs> the, the the stupid old adage: throw the records out. It is true, but like that state team is not good. They 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 uh they got a big win this past weekend, I guess. But yeah, they're not. I, mean, I don't know. Is Gundy get, gonna make them better? I get your point, but I just think like if there's going to be one game Oklahoma state gets up for on the schedule, because Oklahoma's essentially, you know, making, making the decision to, uh, to leave the conference and also handicap their financial situation. I would say Oklahoma state, uh, knowing that I know Boone, Boone Pickens is, is now gone. May he rest easy perhaps. Um, but, uh, you know, the family still just gave them a ton of money. I would bet there'd be a solid envelope or two if they beat Oklahoma, knowing that scenario. And then in, in what I think it's like November 15th or something, November 17th, they got to go to BYU. BYU. That that's one of the, 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 it's terrible. That's a, that's a horrible spot for them. Yes. Like, and, and now BYU is not, they're not the same as they've been the last couple of years, but it doesn't mean they don't go to Arkansas and give them hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think they're a better defense. Now their offense is worse, but I think yeah. they're a much better defense now. So I think that game is very tough. And then at home, West Virginia and TCU, I think are two capable teams of beating them. You know what I mean? Like I, now I would favor Oklahoma in those outings, but I, I look at the remaining of the remainder of Oklahoma schedule and say, Oh, they're going to need it. You know, if if SMU kept it within what fourteen or sixteen in in uh, Norman, I I mean I f- I think West Virginia and TCU are much better than than SMU. Uh, TCU proved it, um, so I, I I think their road is a lot harder. Whereas I think Texas is, is a, a Texas gets Kansas or sorry they already beat Kansas. They get Kansas State at home in Ames. Uh, I think that's probably their hardest game left. They get Texas Tech at. I'm sorry, did I say Ames? Austin. I knew it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that would be the one, and then Alabama. Uh, I would put Georgia just because I think uh, Alabama. You, I think you're not is, a Mil- you're not a Milrow guy, and so that's gonna that's gonna change our. Th- and I was more impressed with Georgia this week because they hadn't played well really yet they, until this past week. They hadn't played well to me. It's not only that I'm not a Milrow guy. The Alabama offensive line is the worst it's been in in a while. Okay. And I think that is, that is to me, uh, whether like maybe they went out, you could be right. And they beat LSU, they beat Auburn and they went out. Um, I, you I think I they're bet. too flawed to do that. Yeah. I, I really think like they're a solid team. And the, the good thing for, for Alabama fans, if is that everyone else seems a bit flawed, but, um, the O line and, and the quarterback play, I think will cost them and I, I pencil in those games against, you know, like Jalen, uh, Jalen Daniels, where it's like, you not only have the strength of L- LSU has got a really good defensive line. Now LSU's defensive backs suck, but their defensive line is actually really good that against Alabama's offensive line. And then having Jalen Daniels who might be playing the best football of anybody in America right now in college. Um, I think that that could be a little too much there. And then also the Auburn game is always crazy on the plains and then they would have to beat Georgia, which I just really don't think you want to talk about giving Kirby smart uh, a week to prep. I don't think Milrow will have any success against Georgia's defense. So that that's where like you, you could talk me into them beating LSU or Auburn or Kentucky or 
uh, Tennessee. They they might beat all of them, but I I just I would not buy into them having any success. Yeah, but you have to you have to have Carson Beck against Alabama's defense too. I mean, this like Alabama's defense is is sensational this year. The problem that's working against Alabama is that they can run the table and still miss the playoff. I know that sounds crazy, but they lost to Texas. And so if Texas is 12 and one, and they're talking about these, these, there's a couple undefeated teams and you've got a couple one loss teams, Texas is going to get in over Bama. And, and that that's like, that's what's a wild scenario there too. So for this to work for this playoff four to work, it requires a lot of a prediction. And the prediction is that Oklahoma wins the big 12 championship game because otherwise this is somewhat impossible because if Texas is 12 and one, they're getting in like, and yeah. they're going to at least be ahead of Alabama. And so it's not perfect. It's, it's as hard to do. What would be your four Colby if you had to do it? And you don't, if you don't have it, that's fine. Well, I mean, just projecting right now, uh, Michigan, Georgia, uh, Florida state and the PAC 12 champion. I just think you gotta okay. have, you gotta have the, 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 I do think it's the best conference this year. Okay. And that's the first time that's happened maybe in 30 years, but um, I, I think it's the best conference this year. So you would have to put the champion in now. If the champion has three losses, then yeah, maybe Texas, maybe, uh, maybe Alabama uh, with two losses, you know, or, or, or one, yeah, two losses. It would be, Yeah, we could see a yeah. two loss team get in yeah. this year just yeah. because of how flawed all the teams are at the top. It, it could be Penn state too. Cause if Penn state, I know if Penn state, you know, goes 11 and one and their one loss is to Ohio state, but yet the, the tiebreaker, cause I I've actually looked into this. If they have the, if all three of those, the blue bloods in the, in the uh, big 10 East Penn state, Ohio state, and Michigan, all go 11 and one. Uh, it's going to go to the records of the opposing teams from the West. Right. Okay. <laughs> which, which I actually think might favor Ohio state, the, right? The, the, the records of the East or the West, the, it's a, who they played from the West. Okay. So, okay. so with Ohio state getting Wisconsin and, and the fact that Penn state got Illinois and Northwestern, you can pretty much rule Penn state out of it then. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. For playing in the Big Ten championship, it would either be Michigan or Ohio State. And then so one of those teams is not going to play an extra conference championship game. So you would think just like last year we saw Ohio State get into the playoffs. Yeah. You could see a scenario there too. Yeah. Rob, do you have a four? Um, I like Colby's. I think my my issue and the biggest flaw with the whole system is I really think that the pack could get left out and it's the best conference. Yeah. That's the stupidest part of this whole thing is I think there's a real shot with how good those teams are that they they beat each other, how the schedule lines up, like you were saying, with everybody playing each other towards the end of the season, which quite frankly is awesome. Um yeah. and it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be phenomenal football and could also result in them and them getting booted out, um, which sucks, which is, I mean, we know that that's a flaw in the system that, you know, you end up with five conferences, four teams coming in, which is just, you know, insanity. So I, I would probably stick with, with Colby's with, with maybe a question mark on whether there's just going to be complete chaos uh, in the pack teams towards the end of the end of the season, which you could see there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, Pair, fun parody across yeah. those those teams that makes it awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking to myself like once I get through the season, like I I do this playoff four every week. Like 
will I have ever picked the right combination of teams through 14 weeks of doing this? And the answer is probably no. <laughs> like I'm going to get to the end and not once will I have actually predicted the four teams because in Colby's scenario, the big 12 gets left out, which might make sense because other than Texas and Oklahoma, th- there's not a whole lot of good teams in there. And that well, could really hurt their strength of schedule down the line. Well, and Texas and Oklahoma might have the same. See, with you having 14 teams, West Virginia won't play Texas. So, or, or like you could have a one loss team where they're not. Oh yeah. And, yep. and Texas and Oklahoma don't meet in the big 10 championship or the big 12 championship because, because there's another team out there. Like, let's say uh, there's a few right now that I feel like I was looking at this the other well, day. Well, there's only in the, in the, Big 12, there's only one undefeated team in conference. Yeah, but they're only 1 and 0, right? Uh, in, no, in 2 and overall, 0, 2 and overall, 0. Yeah. Overall, yeah. 2 and 0, so there's a lot of games left. And then yes. then when you add in the fact that so many teams don't play each other with it being 14, right? As opposed to the years past when it was 10. You know, like it was easier to to have a champion from the Big 12 in the playoff because they'd all played each other. Mm-hmm. Now you might have a scenario where Texas doesn't play in the Big 12 championship because they didn't play West Virginia. You know right, what I mean? Not give, let's not give Neil Brown too no, much credit not, here. But that, that's just one example though. I'm saying like, okay, how about no, this? I like, you. yeah, I think Oklahoma and Kansas State don't play each other. So if can let's say Kansas State wins in Ames or wins in Austin. Let's say Kansas State knocks off Texas. Right? Well, I guess that would that would that would be a scenario then where I guess actually I'm, I'm messing this up a little bit, but um, I, I understand yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. There could be multiple one loss teams and say Oklahoma does. And, and Oklahoma could even have one loss and be, like, say you have four one loss teams, then you've got who knows what tiebreaker scenarios you could end up in a situation where neither of them are there. But like, <laughs> I, I, I do well, think that's highly unlikely. Well, in a way, if you're a Texas fan, you might want that. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. Because you don't play the extra game. It's like Ohio State got in because of their name last year, man. Yeah. You know and what they, I mean? Like, and they already have the that secured with the Alabama win because no matter what Alabama finishes, they're not probably going worse than nine and three, and it's Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So, say Texas does avoid the Big Twelve title game, you're right. That could be the best possible thing to happen to them, and that would be well. That, and that's that, that's why the system sucks, in my opinion. <laughs> is like and that's it is why you can't, yeah yeah. Uh, it's just that, that's. I, the the fact that we just decided four out of 130 yeah. is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. And are you pumped I, about the 12 teamer though? Is that a good format for you? I mean, I want more because I think <laughs> you need to, uh, you need to cast a big enough net where, where, you know, take a perfect example is Arkansas plays a month on the road this year. Arkansas doesn't play a home game for a month, right? They, they were at LSU. Then they played Texas A&M and, and Jerry's world. Then they were at Ole Miss uh, last week and they're at Bama this week. That's horrible. Well, no, th- they would never do that to Alabama. They would never do that to Texas. They would never do that to, you know, so I think when you say, Oh, the, the, it's fair. It's not fair. And, mm-hmm. and you see it with Iowa, St- Iowa state's gotten this treatment in the big 12 before. So to me, if you don't cast a big enough net, which I know people laugh at leech, Leach's idea was 64, which I love, but I don't yes. think, I don't think that's realistic. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I do think when you look at D two and D three, when they have 24 or 32, 32 is the one that I, I think 
I don't want to see them push out the group of five. So I think the group yeah. of five should have a, ch- a seat at the table, even if it's even if it's a blowout. The blowouts happen anyway because they schedule them in the regular season. Yeah. Um. So to me, uh, you got to cast a big enough net. So if let's just say now it's, this won't happen this year, but let's say Arkansas ends up nine and three, but they played a month on the road. Well, I think your argument's completely valid if Alabama's eleven and one and they beat Arkansas. Uh, after a month on the road in the final game, I don't think that's a fair. I don't think that's fair for Arkansas, and and I I, I think that it's ridiculous to to consider. Oh well, no, you know Alabama's just the better team. No, I don't know. Just because they played on the field, but if you're on the road for a month, you know, like that's yeah, you're a big that, believer in the back to back road games are killer. Like the stats have, back it up. I, yeah. I don't even. I, it's not even my belief. The I, numbers I tell me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, it, it just to me, it's it's a very flawed system, and to me, you got to cast a big enough net where you know you, you can get make the, mistakes and still yeah. have it. Yes, and 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 that makes a lot of sense. I do love with the twelve teamer, we're going to get games on campus, which is very very cool. Uh, and I know they do that at other levels, but it, it's for our entire lives, especially as kids. Every it was always unfair. For whoever got to the title, I, you know, 1994 Penn State got screwed. Uh, Nebraska got screwed in uh, the year the Hokies went, right? Like you you, yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. Like teams always are getting screwed and it will be less. It will start to be less teams that at least have us, hey, we try, we, we had a game and we lost. And and we can't say we're, the, we're UCF national champions just because we didn't get a chance. I mean, it's, it's it, look at the NCAA basketball thing. You can argue some years, oh, well, this team should have made it. It's never going to be 100% perfect. You know what I mean, but you got to cast a big enough net to get the good teams in there, and the the, the schedule. You know the fact of the, you do have a sport with 133, and it's going to be 134 next year. Uh, teams, we just talked about Georgia and Michigan. Do you find it ironic that the top two teams in the nation are playing the the pass of least you know friction essentially? Yeah, it's, you know what I mean. Like Georgia's schedule is so annoying this year, and I think it I think it stiffens. Is it next year that it gets really hard? I forget. They have yeah. one coming up that it gets really difficult. But for the two-time defending national champions to have the schedule they do is so frustrating because you just want to see them a little bit more tested. Now they took care of a ranked team in Kentucky this week, and and I, that's good for them. But I did a deep dive though on this, and I wish I had the numbers prepared for for this conversation right now. But most of the teams that make the playoffs play four away games. Hmm. Okay. Like most that, that few because eight home games yes. is a lot. Yes. That's wow. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that you look at you and, and guess who, like if you, if you were to pull like the, the mid schools in each conference, they normally play more than four away games. So hmm. look at, oh, look, yeah. Tech I loves think, to play at G five teams, which yeah. you, you <laughs> actually are big. Like, Hey, I give them credit for going there. I hate it because like, we lose like we, yeah. when you go See, on the but, road, but, but you're looking at it from a Virginia tech fan. If you look yes, at it from yes. the, the sport, I hate how there's this thing of like, you know, I, when Texas tech played at Wyoming, the national narrative was like, why would they schedule this game? And I'm like, no, because it's awesome for the fan. How because about that? Fun. Remember, right, right. remember yeah. you're a million dollar en- entity that, uh, you know, the, the fans should matter, even though college football just continuously ignores them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Let's play. Let's play that Rutgers UCLA matchup is, is going to be heated. We we all have our schedules, 
you know yeah, so, yeah let's throw away they, bedlam let's throw they away had bedlam like, and they had like uh what was it like it was something like 12 years florida state hadn't played on the road out of conference out of out of the state of florida they if for like 12 years they yeah, did not yeah. play an out of conference game that wasn't in you know in the state of uh in the state of florida but oh and i'll add one more thing colby and i've talked to you about this pete is the resources and the amount of money that gets brought to the teams that make the playoff is so substantial that the fact that you close that down to just four teams is perpetuating an issue in college football that is so stupid. Like everybody's like, yeah, we want more parity. Why can't more teams get in there? And then you close it off to these four teams that are based on a flawed system that brings more resources into them. If you look at when Oregon made the playoff, they rode that for a long period of time in terms of resources and recruiting. Washington, when they made the playoff, they are still riding that to this day. That's how they're they're at the level that they are. If you look at TCU, what that's going to do for them for a state, and if we can get that in the hands of more teams, it is only going to benefit college football because the resources at the top are so significant. It'll help at least spread that a, a bit and make college football better. And if I see if I see one more Georgia, Alabama national championship, <laughs> like I'm just gonna cry. Like we, me and Robbie, every year when it gets to this, I mean, he, you, Rob, almost has like such limited interest in the playoffs sometimes because yeah. the teams don't change. You were happy when TCU got in. I was ecstatic. I, I loved it. And, and look what happened. Everybody was like, you know, everybody said, and uh, I forget who it is that always says, like, why are we going to let more teams in? It's just going to end up culminating into the same, like, top teams. Bullshit. Nobody, how many people had TCU going to the fucking playoff? And how many people had them going to the national championship? Yeah, and and to start they never trailed to Michigan. They never right. at once in that game trailed. And, and, yeah. it, and it sucks because then they get blown out and the narrative goes right back to what it always is. But they were in the national title in year one of a new head coach. And that's awesome. Like that yeah. shows the flexibility and, and, and of the new college football. And it's not like Michigan didn't get blown out by Georgia the year before. Exactly. <laughs> right. You that's know? right. I mean, yeah. but that, that gets forgotten and uh, whatever we we've gone on way too long. I do. I do appreciate you being on with us, Cole, because you are, uh, I, you probably could have been a doctor or something. If you put this, this brain of yours uh, <laughs> to, to, to better I, I use. I don't know if you want me. Rob, Robbie knows. <laughs> Robbie knows me. All right. I don't know if you want me a guy. Uh, like I said, it was, we watch the goal yeah. movies on, uh, you know, I would wake <laughs> yeah. up and watch the goal movies. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you want me operating on, uh, operating on somebody, but guys, I appreciate you. And it's, it's always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, we'll, I, we'll have to do this again at some point. Um, I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you coming on at all. And, and talk Anytime, to an guys. old friend and Robbie and, and I, yeah. so that's, uh, that's great. You're the best Colby. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to you on Twitter, but thanks for all the insight and, uh, we'll check in soon, bud. All right. Take care guys. And appreciate you guys. And anytime, anytime, let all me right. know. Take Wait. care, buddy. Let's go. All take right. care.